Did you ever think you were made? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I feel I'm supposed like a taste sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value came in, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we can't no value the haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the one. All right, so we got a special guest here with us, youngest of nine children, in media for 30 years, decides to get into politics, runs for governor. Her opponent and her had a debate with Katie Hobbs. It was the most watched debate of all time because it never happened. Record-breaking views. And before I uh, properly bring her up, I want you to watch this video before we get into this podcast. Go for it. Reports out of Washington say Carrie Lake is getting ready to run with an announcement expected in October. And she's going to probably run for Senate in 2024. I could totally see you in the United States Senate. What's the latest? Are you going to do it? She's going to do some interviews starting in, what, September or maybe an, uh, an announcement. Is Carrie Lake going to get into this race? Th these are the questions. What's next for Carrie Lake? It is my duty to the citizens of Arizona to stay in. They think that I'm going away. They got another thing coming. Nice. Fantastic. So we're going to stay tuned, hopefully, on this podcast. With that being said, Carrie, it's great to have you it's on. It's so good to be here, Patrick. We're locked in the vault this morning. We are locked <laughs> in the vault. Doors closed. Everything's in. Oxygen levels are perfect. Mike's working. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk to you about. Uh, folks, if you're watching this, you fall in one of three camps. You either 100%, no matter what Carrie says, you don't believe that uh, what happened in uh, Arizona uh, was fraud. You, you believe that she lost. You're part of the camp. That's, there's no way she won. You're either part of the camp that you know for a fact she won. You're like, no, she did win. There was fraud done. Why were some places waiting for five and a half hours and you have to go from one place to the other place? And if you were watching her election and you, you were following it close, you saw her actually going to different ballots and kind of seeing why is this thing not working. Or you're part of the undecided camp saying, look, I still don't know. I just kind of want to know the proof of what's taking place. Regardless of where you are, we're going to talk about that today. We want to talk to you also about what happened uh, with the Newsom-DeSantis uh, debate actually happening on Fox, which is kind of weird. And in recent weeks, Newsom's kind of uh, uh, gone away from the left and has gone more to the center with some of the decisions he's making. What is he doing there? Is there something going out there? You also made some comments about Christy Noem, about potentially her thinking that she's going to be the VP. A lot of people are thinking you may be the VP. You're in a very, very important state. But also, before we get into some of these issues, I kind of want to go back a little bit with you because I think the audience needs to know the evolution. 30 years in media, right? 
You've gone from being a Republican to being an independent to being a Democrat to having a great interview with Obama. It seemed very friendly when he and you were talking to each other. It was phenomenal. And then you become a Republican. And then, you know, even Obama went after you. Hillary went after you. <laughs> Holder went after you. And you've made so much noise. You've had so many viral clips, whether the CNN people have come up to you and said, hey, we'd love to do an interview. And you said, I'd love to do it on CNN+. Plus. That was all over the place. <laughs> whether it's you milking cows and saying, how many genders do cows have? <laughs> You're very, very good when the camera's on. But before we get into some of the issues today, how did Carrie Lake become Carrie Lake? Well, if you want me to go all the way back I to do. my childhood, um, I'm the youngest child of a mom that was a nurse and a dad who was a high school football coach and um, a history teacher and government teacher back when you actually taught real history and real government. And um, youngest of nine children, we were poor growing up. Nobody really told us that. We thought it was normal to have to work for shampoo and to buy our own toothpaste. We thought that was perfectly normal. But it was a great upbringing because I learned how to have a work ethic. You know, I had to work in order to survive and to have the things I needed. So that was a great place to grow up in Iowa. And I grew up in rural Iowa after the age of 10. My dad moved us from the city to the middle of nowhere, which I call the middle of everywhere, because I think everybody should experience what rural life is about in this great country. And so I grew up in um, a little town outside of a little town called Donahue, which has 240 people roughly. Mm -hmm. And we live 10 miles outside that town. So going into town meant going into a town of 240 people. <laughs> but it was just a great upbringing. Classic. And so I had to work for everything. I decided when I um, decided to go to college at the last minute, I didn't even know how to go to college. I just said, okay. A friend of mine said, well, you should go to college because what else are you going to do? I showed up and I went to college and I um, decided to work my way into a dream job, which is broadcast journalist. Ended up working for about a year and a half in the Quad Cities where I'm from and then um, got called from Arizona to come out there. And I immediately, you know, became a household name in Arizona and worked my way up to being the number one news face and, and news name in Arizona. For 22 years, I worked as the Fox at the Fox affiliate owned by Rupert Murdoch. And uh, during COVID, I kind of took my nose off the grindstone for the first time after working so hard my whole life and realized that my industry had really changed and was no longer journalism. I know some people say you just figured that out during COVID, but I, I always felt that even though the you know journalism was liberal, I could kind of keep it straight when I was reporting the news. But during COVID, I couldn't do that anymore. I mean, there was just this push to divide people, scare people, push us into our homes, destroy our businesses, and you could not speak out with a different perspective on that. And so I decided to walk away from my career. Um, you know, I made a lot of money. I walked away from a seven-figure contract. My husband is a saint. I don't know where he is. He's probably outside the vault right He's now. Guarding <laughs> He's guarding the He's door. He's guarding the door. And was COVID the, the straw that broke the camel's back? Meaning prior to that, Trump, for four years, you must have seen the yes. writing on the wall on the media side of things for the media bias, right? Yes, absolutely. And go back to when Trump came down the escalator. I remember, first of all, I had I interviewed Obama one year apart from my first time going to the Trump White House. So I saw the difference in how the media treated Obama and Trump, because one year later I went to the mm, Trump White House and it was like night and day, polar opposite. They went from being lapdogs for Obama. Everything he did, every policy he did was just perfect to attack dogs with Trump, mm -hmm. not giving him even a chance to do anything. So, and were some of these your friends, your I, colleagues, I, people that you've known when, for 20, when, 30 years? Yeah, when Trump came down the escalator, I missed that live. 
And one of the guys in the newsroom came up to me. Was he doesn't work there anymore? He's I call him the socialist in the newsroom, and he would probably agree that he was the socialist in the newsroom. And he was talking about how terrible. Um, this speech was at the bottom of the escalator, and it was just racist and awful. And I thought, really? I mean, this can't be, it couldn't be that bad. Everyone in the newsroom was talking about how awful it was. So I went home that night, found it on YouTube, watched it, and it was like angels singing. I went, oh my gosh, finally a guy who is speaking my language and the language of the American people. This is what I've been looking for since I registered as a Republican in 1988. After, you know, when I, right when I turned 18 because of Ronald Reagan. Reagan, I was a hero. He was a hero of mine. I was a fan of Ronald Reagan's. And then somewhere between Reagan and Trump, the Republican Party lost its way. It became the party of warmongers. And I know what happened. I think we all do. It became the Uniparty. That's when the swamp reared its ugly head. Uh, and anytime anybody speaks out against the war machine, they get brought down, whether it be JFK, whether it be the attempt on Ronald Reagan's life. And here we had a guy who was audacious enough to say, I'm going to speak out against that. We don't want to start endless wars. We don't want to have a wide open border. Why is our economy not working for the middle class? I mean, he said everything that America was waiting to hear. And I noticed how the media immediately went into attack mode. And that was a, a bit of a wake up call. I mean, I, I was always pro-Trump, but I, on the air, you have to keep yourself neutral. But the people, nobody around me was keeping themselves neutral. They were going anti-Trump the entire time. Publicly. Yeah. Right. It was acceptable for the first time as a journalist to be anti a U.S. president on the air. And I thought, there's something going on here. Did you now have conversations with your colleagues saying, hey, listen, let's do our job. Let's be journalists, not activists. Like, pull it's, back it's, the, the, the Wizard of Oz curtain here. What were the it's really, conversations like within your own media business? It's really hard when you're a conservative in the news business because you are surrounded by, I would say, 95% of the people in <clears throat> newsrooms around the country in legacy media, mainstream media, are liberal. And so, you, you know, you know these people. You like these people. They're your friends. You work with them for 30 years, 27 years, 20-plus years, and they're your friends. There were some conservatives, and you try to kind of... When you go into an editorial meeting, yeah. you try to kind of ease into it. You're hearing all of these stories coming from a left bent, and you try to ease into it and go, well, wait, maybe, um, you know, on balance, we could also interview somebody who has this perspective. So you try to kind of word it that way. On balance, that was a famous line. Maybe on balance, we should do this as well. If we're going to cover that story, on balance, perhaps we should talk to so-and-so. Just to give it more balance. And by the way, you're saying that. That's that's my interest because I want to know what that world is all about behind closed doors. Because, it, you know, if you watch this video, we've all seen this video. You've seen this video as well. This shows how you can press play already. They're all unison on the same message they're given. Okay. We've all seen this. Oh, yeah. Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about the country and the irresponsible plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish the same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. <laughs> so, let, let this roll, not the whole thing. Oh, painful. Okay, pause right there, Rob. Pause right there. Okay, so check this out. This is what's weird about it, and this is kind of what I need your help with.
So you got NBC there, you got Fox there, you got ABC there, you got CBS there. You got it's not like it's one or the other. These are different companies. How are they all saying the same thing? Are they watching each other? Is it like, you know, is it coming from the pulpit at the top where one person is saying these are the words to use, these are the trigger words, this is what we all have to be united on? This is what do like you know the mob had these five families that at one point the Italian mobs they made this commission that the Gambino, Genovese, Colombo, all these families came together. And then Lucky Luciano was running it, and Lucky's the one that told everybody what to do to make sure people are not killing each other, to make sure we kind of have control of all the businesses together. Is there a Lucky in media, Luciano, that's telling everyone what words to say and what words not to say? If yes, who? If no, why are they all using the same exact script? Well, I don't. I, I, I like the mob, uh, you know, mm-hmm. comparison yeah. because there are five or six families or, or entities that are controlling the mainstream media. Thankfully, now we have alternative media. We have podcasts. We have shows where we can get information that's um, that we can, that's more balanced for sure. But this is a situation where that's a conglomerate that owns all those stations. That's why you might see one that's CBS, one that's NBC, and I believe it was Sinclair. And the irony of this, and I don't want to stick up for this at all because they're all saying the exact same thing, but I believe Sinclair was a little more balanced and they were trying to say, look, we're coming in, we own these stations, everyone's gone completely left, and we want our viewers to know we're going to be balanced. We're not going to push an agenda. But in their effort to put this statement out that somebody at the top wrote, they they look like fools because everyone said the exact same thing in unison and and that clip was made. But the real truth about that clip is that this was an attempt by, I believe it was Sinclair, to tell their audience, look, we're going to try not to put our opinion in. Um, Unfortunately, when they put it together like that, it just showed that there's one huge conglomerate that owns so many stations. I don't remember how many they own. We'd have to count the boxes there. But this is the problem. When I started in media, in the early 90s, there would be, a, in, in any given town, there'd be five stations or three stations, and there would be a family that owned one station, maybe a company owned another one. Got it. And then during the 90s, they started getting bought up. So you might buy uh, five stations in the Midwest, and then you buy another 10 more, and you, you cover the Northwest. And pretty soon you own, as a media owner, you own 30 stations across the country. And that could be ABC, CBS, NBC, because you're kind of you know, hosting right. their show. And that's when things get really um, repetitive because I, I even today I get my news clippings every day and I'll see a story about me and then I watch it on another station halfway across the state or across the country and it's the exact same script. Different anchors are reading it because it's one conglomerate who owns all those stations. And that one script is coming from the top conglomerate to say these are the words we're using right. that, and it goes well, on the teleprompter, you just read it? Right. But now this is the difference. You know, we when I worked for Fox, we would get those same things. The clips would come down from wherever across the country. Other other stations were doing stories. They would come to us. The script is already written. But you can rewrite scripts if you are have a good work ethic and you don't like what they say. You can rewrite them so that it is different. I didn't want to just be repeating the same words as somebody across the country. You want to look at that script and make sure it's written properly. Not all anchors do that. So you, you worked at a Fox affiliate when, when you were first getting started. You're talking about a Fox affiliate you worked at. And Fox, for the longest time, has been known as, you know, Rupert Murdoch. He just stepped away. He gave it to his son. And, you know, he was in the space for 60 years. They had Roger Ailes. They produced a lot of players over the years. O- O'Reilly, Megan Kelly, Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, Tucker Carlson. They've had a lot of stars at Fox. And they were known as the enemy to the left. They were known as the enemy. You know, Fox is 
against uh, uh, American values. While we know maybe at many places Fox has the conservative values that America has, but the left would attack it all the time. And then you were on Pierce Morgan, the interview that you did a couple months ago, could have been even less than that. And you said, you know, Fox News is now protecting the globalist agenda, right? They're now a globalist media outlet. When did you see, as somebody that's been in the space, them making that transition of just being some uh, an organization that we could go to for conservative eyeballs to all of a sudden becoming a support of the globalist agenda? Well, that's my opinion, first of all. I, I think that um, it, they're a company and they have the right to run their company however they want. They used to be considered the conservative network. And now I see them as they're pushing away from America first, Trump, anybody but Trump. That's my opinion. It looks like they've gone toward the globalist agenda. This is the problem in America. We've got Marxists on the left and we've got globalists somewhere in that mix as well. Mm -hmm. The Paul Ryans mm -hmm. of the world. I mean, Paul Ryan is a pretty top player over there. Carl Rove is a top player over there. These are the kind of neocon guys who are into a, a globalist agenda right now. And so that's my opinion. That's kind of where they've gone. They're moving away from their conservative values, and I think they're moving to more toward being globalist conservatives, if you can put it that way. When you say over there, are you talking about the World Economic Forum? What, what do you mean? Like, at Fox. Oh, at Fox, yeah. you're saying. So before, before we get into I want to know because so, of the But video. they've made a change. They've definitely made a change. Fox I mean, has. Yeah, I mean, how often do you see the Trump kids on? Hardly ever, if ever. When do you think that happened? I think that they are anybody but Trump. I think Paul Ryan hates Trump. That's my opinion. Um, and he doesn't want Trump. That's why they had they put all their money behind DeSantis. And now they're realizing that's not working out. And Paul has that kind of weight at Fox today? Yes. Really? Wow. And Carl, who has more weight, Paul or uh, Carl? I think I think uh, Paul Ryan has a lot of weight over there. I don't know what his position is, if he's chairman of the board or what it is, but he's got a lot of power. It's the you same know, guy they got rid of Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. Because he was actually, they, they, you know, my, my thinking is going into this election, they know how important this election is. Think about what the world did to try to bring Trump down. They did a lot. I mean, the COVID, a lot of the COVID agenda was meant to, in my opinion, disrupt an election, force mail-in ballots, because they can't beat Trump based on policy. They knew that, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be even more popular than he was in 2016. He won the most votes of any incumbent president in history. That's why they had to go all out on Joe Biden, basement Biden, and try to convince everybody that he won the most votes in history, which is absolutely absurd. And the fact that we that people were checked their intelligence and logic and believe that is even crazier. No, I mean, Joe Biden, he's going to go down as the greatest motivational speaker of all oh. time. <laughs> people that would show. But before we talk about his motivational speaking abilities, let's go to our sponsors real quick. Uh, American Hartford Gold. Uh, folks, here's all I want you to be thinking about. I've owned gold for a long time, physical gold in many different portfolios. Uh, when the central bank in 2022 buys a record-breaking 1,136 tons of gold, you have to ask yourself why. That's what happened last year. According to the Bank of International Settlement, over 90% of central banks are working on a CBDC. American Hartford Gold will ship physical gold and silver directly to your door. You can also set up your uh, a gold IRA and rollover money if you do have any kind of retirement funds. They'll show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio. With physical gold and silver, they have the finest products, amazing customer service, 
and a buyback commitment, and they got thousands of five-star reviews, A-plus from Better Business Bureau. Tell them I sent you, and they'll give you up to $5,000 uh, worth of free silver on your first order. Click on a link below or call 866-939-6984, 866-939-6984, or text PBD to 655-32. Once again, the link will be below. So, audience, I opened it up, and I asked a question about three different types of audience. And, you know, there's an audience that says, Carrie's uh, going around talking about the fact that, you know, she won and, you know, it's not fair what they did. And, you know, prove it, prove it, prove it. There's this whole community that's saying prove it, prove it, prove it, and say, no, she lost. There's an entire different community that thinks you absolutely won and there was, an ele- there was election fraud. And then there are, again, the people in the middle, the independent, the libertarian, the ones that actually want to say, I'm open to being yes or no, but give me some proof. So recently this just came out uh, – this was last week, September 21st. You know, this is from uh, uh, Carrie Lake's third trial to begin after unsuccessful lawsuit t- challenging her loss in 2022 in 2022 uh, Arizona governor race. And it continues to talk about um, continues to talk about how uh, where's the page three here? What page is that on, Rob? Is it five or six? Oh, there it is. Carrie Lake, Republican, who contested her loss in 2022 Arizona governor race is headed to a third a uh, trial unrelated to her defeat, seeking uh, to review all early ballot envelopes with voter signatures in Maricopa County, a request initially denied by officials. There was a bunch of videos saying this is not fair, this is not safe, it's, you know, risk for people's information to be out there, then how are you supposed to know if we can't see the signatures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lake, previous legal challenges included claims that defective printers produced ballots that were too light or too small and alleged misconduct in the signature verification process. However, she failed to present sufficient evidence in both trials, with judges concluding she didn't back her claims. Lake's latest uh, lawsuit, a public record case, faces opposition from county's officials who argued that disclosing early ballot envelopes wouldn't promote the best interest of the state and could invite voter fraud and identity theft. Lake's two-day trial will be held Thursday and Monday. So where is it at today? Because a lot of people were following it very closely. And the thing for me that was extremely suspicious is when your opponent didn't even want to have a debate. <laughs> I don't under. I mean, if you're that confident in your argument, have a debate with Kerry. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But that never happened. So where is it so far right now with the progress you're making with this uh, 2022 Arizona governor? Well, much like you said, Biden was a motivational speaker. That's kind of what my opponent is like. Makes sense. If you think us and Oz are motivational you know, she can't get through a sentence without about 10, uh, 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 that kind of stuff. And we saw that whenever she did speak on the campaign trail, which wasn't very often. And, you know, she ran, she was secretary of state, so she had a big say in how the elections were run in the state. We asked her to recuse herself from that, and she refused. You know, there's so many unethical people in our government. Um, but she knew that she would be destroyed in a debate because she did not have policies. We had, I had the strongest border policy the country's ever seen. And now we're starting to see some of these governors who are spineless and won't do anything. Now they're starting to go, okay, maybe we do have an invasion at the border. You know, it was two years ago that I put this plan out. Governors don't have to rely on the federal government to protect their citizens and call it what it is, an invasion, go straight to the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, and protect your citizens, protect your state when, you're, when your state's being invaded. And frankly, protect the country, because if these border state governors started doing something rather than being part of the problem, we wouldn't have... New York City overrun with people here illegally. We wouldn't have 
fentanyl pouring into our country, killing people. So, you know, that that was her problem. She had no policy. She couldn't speak. She's just a puppet. She's not intelligent. And they just wanted to get her in office so that they could control Arizona. The cartels are fully in control of Arizona right now. The Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, is a cartel lawyer, former cartel lawyer. And we have an AG who took that position as well. And I know there might be people out there who don't believe in election fraud, but we lived it in Arizona. And the majority of people in Arizona believe it because they experienced it firsthand. They saw what happened. They showed up on election day, and at 6 a.m. when they got in line so excited to vote, they don't trust the mail-in ballots because they saw what happened in 2020 with Trump. So the majority of people showed up to vote. And right away they were told by the poll workers, uh-oh, our equipment doesn't work in 60% of the polling locations. And how ironic that it was the Republican polling locations where the equipment didn't work. So we did fight it afterwards. We said something went wrong here. We know what happened. Lines were four, five, even six hours long on election day. They w- so one line went almost a mile long to, to vote. And people were so mad when they realized it's Can happening pull this again. Up, Rob? Because there's images out there of it. Please continue. It's happening again. I mean, they were, there were, there were people. We, we have video of people. We, we took video right away. We said, we've got to go document these stories. Adults, veterans, people who were tough guys, who were in tears at what happened. And, and they stole this election. I was polling 10, 11, and 12 points up. The internal polling, that's the good stuff, the real accurate stuff. Katie Hobbs did not win, and everyone in Arizona, and frankly, everyone across the country knows it. And when they say, prove it, I am proving it. Why are the judges not ruling against us? I believe we have massive corruption in our judiciary. If you saw the case wrap up yesterday, where we're trying to get our hands on public records, which are these affidavit envelopes, the way that judge behaved yesterday, it it needs to be put, somebody out there, if they've got time, I'm, I'm a little busy right now, need to take that judge and every remark he made in our two-day trial and loop it together because I've never seen a judge behave that way. It was so dead obvious where he was. It was as if he was co-counsel for the defense. They don't want us to get our hands on these affidavit ballots, the mail-in ballots when you send in, because they know if we do see those that there aren't going to be signatures. There's going to be chicken scratches. There are 300,000 ballots that were were injected into the system, and this is a whistleblower who told us this, 300,000 ballots injected into the system with no chain of custody. Every time you mail in a mail-in ballot, there is a tight chain of custody. You can tell where that ballot came from. Now, nobody knows where you voted or who you voted for, but they know where that ballot came from. 300,000 with no chain of custody in the Arizona Maricopa County 2022 elections. That wasn't enough to win to give Katie Hobbs the win, so they had to sabotage Election Day. The most egregious thing we saw when we finally got our hands on the system log files, which is basically data, lines and lines of data that show everything that happened in the election in Maricopa County, and we had our analysts start looking through it was, hmm, what are these three days of testing that were done? And we noticed in the three-day of testing a lot of failures, very high failure rate, 60% failure rate of the machines, 59%. So we dug in a little further and we said, okay, this is interesting. They did their testing, the required by law testing, on the 11th of October. They brought the cameras in, dog and pony show, and we found out that when they did that official testing, those were on spare machines that they weren't even using. They then rolled the spare machines back. They don't use them. And three day, over a three-day span, the next week, they perform testing 
illegally, no observers, no Democrat, no Republican, no media. They crack open the seal on these machines. They pull out the memory card, put a new memory card in, and then they start testing it over a three-day period, and they get 59% failure rate, 59% failure rate. It looks like a dry run. They wanted these machines to fail. Then they took those machines, and they rolled them out on Election Day. And these people who tell me not to fight this, this is ridiculous. We can't have our country run with elections like this. We can't. If we don't have fair elections, we don't have a country. And our elections are theater to make us think we have. Let me ask this. So, first of all, Tom, question for you and anybody here. In the history of elections, governor, anything that's governor, Senate, Congress, president, any of those uh, levels, has there ever been fraud where the person who won a year, two years, three years later, it came back and showed that this person cheated and won? And then what happened to that person? We had that happen in Arizona before. A hundred years ago in Arizona, I think it was um, 1916, there was a contested governor's race, and the governor sat, the one governor sat in office for a year, and the courts finally ruled that that was not the legitimate governor, and they put the other guy in. This happened in Arizona. You've got it there. Is that the precedent for why you, you keep pushing this? Meaning, Well, I keep pushing meaning it. Meaning it's happened in Arizona before, so there's precedent, so... This is sort of a motivating factor to that's keep one of the it. cases that we cited in our original court case. But I'm I'm fighting this because I want the people to know that our elections are not reliable. They're not mm-hmm. fair. They're not perfect elections like the officials. You know why I'm say asking that question? Here's why I'm asking a question. Has there ever been any outside of that in the recent years in any state? Actually, in smaller in smaller elections, there have been. In, I think there's a county in New York where they deemed that the county just was not run. The elections weren't run on the up and up, or they How had two. Oh boy! Yeah, you know why I'm asking this question. The reason why I'm asking it, were you going to say something, Tom, or no? Yeah, I think you go back to um, Kennedy Nixon and the. The investigators that were used by the Republican Party, this is West Virginia, and they went in and they absolutely had them dead to rights in West Virginia. But it was Nixon who said, for the good of the country, we shouldn't contest this because they knew, but they didn't have like a stack of facts that Illinois was carried. Right. They, they knew what happened in Do, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the, but West Virginia, you look at that how close that that election was as close as Gore uh, W. Bush, that election. But do you know why I'm asking this question? I'm asking this question for a couple different reasons. One is, you know, would we want an audit to find out exactly if there was any fraud? And if yes, okay, if they have a case in one state that happens, then another state wants to do it as well. And another state wants to do it as well. And all those legal fees that you got to spend in it, maybe they don't want to do it because they want people to trust in the system. So they're like, look, whether they cheated or not, it's done, guys. Just move on. We don't want the American people to lose trust in the you know, a, a voting system. So let's just say that's the, in my mind, I'm just kind of yeah. processing it mm-hmm. to see why are they so worried about this? But okay, fine. Let's say that's one of the reasons. Number two, let's look at solutions. So if you are in there, whether it's White House uh, has influence to be able to fix the election so people can trust in it more, or 
state-wise, how would you improve the system of electing? Well, it, it really isn't the federal government's job to uh, improve our elections. It's state by state, and the state legislature and the Constitution is the one that uh, controls the elections. And we need to change laws somewhere along the way. When I started voting, I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but back in 1988 when I started voting, we had election day. And our Constitution in Arizona calls for election day. And somehow it's become election month, 27, 28 days of voting. And then they count for up to two weeks until they get the result they want. The longer you drag out the voting process, the more there's areas to throw fraud in. And they've complicated it. It used to be a paper ballot. You showed up in a small precinct where there were 500, 700 people on the voter roll. And it was really easy to determine if somebody's like, wait a minute, you're not on the voter roll. You need to go to your precinct and vote. It's easier to control, make sure that there's not fraud slipping in. But along the way, they realize that, I believe they realize that they can't win these elections because they have terrible policies that are not for the American people. And they've added layers of complication and for somebody, so I think paper voting uh, one day, and you count right there at the precinct, that way the count comes from, if you're in precinct 27, it comes from that precinct. At the end of the night, it's counted. You send the results to Central. They tabulate all of them. They add up all the different precincts, and we have the winner that night. This is how elections how have been run. Happened, how, how did it though? How did it... I, I wouldn't Why be okay did it get complicated? 20, no, I, I wouldn't be okay with 27, 28 days. I wouldn't be okay with it. I'm, this is what we have right now. But how do we have How do we get here, though? Was that COVID? Was that, was that because of COVID that they were like, listen, we, people have to... How have, the Ameri- how have the American people been okay with it taking this long? Like, I can see Democrats being like, well, you guys just bitch a lot and you guys complain a lot, Republicans, because as long as Democrats win, they don't want to find, like, it's working. Right. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So there's not a problem for Democrats, not right? Not at all. <laughs> okay. Then I can see Republicans being like, well, you know, he's my, it's not the guy I wanted anyway, so I don't give a shit. You know, okay? so there's some that are rhinos and there's some that are establishment. Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah, he, he lost in your face, you know, and um, great. Then there's the other community that's going to be like the independent saying, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. I don't trust this. I want to know whoever won to win so my vote matters, so people don't lose credibility and, you know, well, my vote doesn't matter. Why should I vote anyway? It's, it's, they're going to manipulate it anyway. So I want to know the people that actually want to know for the vote to count, they're not okay with it taking 27, 28 days. How, how did they get to that long of a time? I believe it really has been because their policies are so bad. They, this is an attempt to make sure we have people in that, that are controllable. I mean, 27 days of voting, early voting. And you look at what happened when any state goes full mail-on, mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots really are not secure ballots. You know, would you put $500 in an envelope and put it in the mail right now? Post office? No way. No. Absolutely not. But no you're way. putting your vote. Yeah. And, now there's, and they're saying there's if absolutely it's no certified mail, though. I mean, if it's certified, but it's not, unfortunately. And um, so any state that has gone full mail-in immediately starts to turn full left. Look at Washington State, Oregon. I mean, California is going that way. When you, when you start seeing a loosening of the voter laws and, and procedures, immediately the state starts to go mm-hmm. toward the left. I have a when question. You see, when you see uh, ad, ad, uh, laws that are adhered to... That's when you see sanity and you, and you know that you've got one vote, you have one vote, I have one vote. And why should America care about this? I've been all over the country. You know, if you're in a state, Oklahoma, for example, I've been in Oklahoma, pretty red state. 
I believe all 50 states need to improve their elections to make sure that they are reformed and secure so we know that one legal vote per legal voter. But um, why should Oklahoma care about Arizona's election fraud? Because even if your state's running a, a pretty decent election, if Maricopa County, one county in Arizona, runs their elections with corruption and fraud, your vote doesn't count. Your vote for President Trump, because we know, I, I believe the, the country knows President Trump won. Some people can't admit it, but... Your vote doesn't count if they're watering it down with a bunch of phony fake ballots in three or four counties across the, the country. And look where the world is going because we had that fraudulent election in 22. We have Joe Biden in the White House. We're on the verge of World War III. It's like, wake up, people. We are on the verge of a war. Our economy is in the toilet. Our borders wide open. Our country's being invaded. How many more you know, alarm bells do we have to go off before people go, We've got to deal with our elections. Tom. You have to look at the history of the precinct system in American voting. Precincts used to be fire stations, schools, civic centers, and they were small. Precincts were small for two reasons. Well, a lot of small precincts allowed people back before we had two-income housing, everybody driving to, to work, moms working. And what happened was you could walk to your precinct. You walked to your fire station, your school, everything you could vote. Small precinct gives you high control, and you make a phone call. Okay, here we are, here's the results, 62, 31, 14. And they, the precincts uh, dialed it in. What happened was, on the mail-in ballots, it started with, um, there's a variety of things, and then they jumped on that where because there's cracks where they could leverage it. It started with, wait a minute, shouldn't our overseas military get to vote in their elections? Well, yeah, national elections, sure they should. Okay, well, let's get them an absentee ballot. And that's where it was. It wasn't mail-in ballots. It was absentee ballots. Well, yeah, let's do that. Well, um, then people started retiring, and they adapted it. They started adapting, you know, the voting rules. Well, you know, maybe they're shut-ins or people that can't make it to their precinct. Let's give them an absentee ballot. And then that was the crack where they said, hey, you know what? You know what we could do? Vinny, what if we just go to the old folks' home and just harvest the ballots? Which they did yeah. in Wisconsin. That's I mean, did exactly, you see the saddest exactly video of the whole world was these people who can't even, they don't even know their loved one's name, and they voted. They and can't even feed themselves. They can't do anything. Correct. And let's go look at one of the first motions in Gore versus Bush in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. The Democrats wanted to disqualify the military vote that was absentee that was coming back into Florida because there were servicemen in Jacksonville. Marine Corps Air Station is down in Miami. They wanted to they tried to disqualify those those votes. And so you can see what happened. And Pat, we went down the slippery slope where, hey. You know, just mail-in voting. Let's make it easy for everyone. But there used to be reasons to let the military, hmm. to let shut-ins have an absentee ballot. Absentee ballot became mail-in ballot. Mail-in ballot became just an, the wild, wild west where Vinny and I could harvest an old folks' home and then have them vote any way we want. Or because now they're, now they're bringing them in for old folks' home, Vinny and I could just walk in at midnight with 10,000 ballots and say, hey, more mail-ins. And they wouldn't even question us. In the old days, they would say, wait, are these absentees from military? Wait, 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 where's this all coming from? Now you see the cracks formed, and there is the fraud. And really quickly, you, Tom just said it, the precinct voting was done at the fire station or the church, mainly churches and schools. I mean, I could walk a block or two to mine before. What closed during COVID? Churches yep. and schools. I don't think that's coincidental. And what else happened? Mass mail-in voting. 
this is uh, it's really obvious when strategy. you start well, when I mean, you start digging into it what's well, really whoever going was on. the mastermind behind the strategy. I want that person and, on and, the podcast. And care because I'm I'm a pattern guy. I, mm-hmm. I always I look at patterns. Other people call me different names, but I'm a pattern guy. So like in your case, your opponent doesn't want to debate as if they already know everything's mm-hmm. set up. It's it's really weird, right? The machines don't work. People are showing up. They have to go to different places. Pretty pretty weird. The person that you're going up against oversees the entire election. That's really, really odd for me. Then that, that umbrella that Pat was talking about, all the media makes you seem like you're this crazy election-denying kook. The judges seem like they're in their back, back pockets. Then we go back to, like, to, to the Trump situation. I see, And it's already starting to happen with, it, with him because Hillary already is in front of the news saying what? Putin is going to cheat. The, she's saying the 24 election is going to be rigged. It's, it's, I'm like, wait a minute, uh, it, indict her. Yeah, she she's a cheat. <laughs> yeah, you play the clip. Yeah, and then uh, and then Kerry. So and then already Fauci, Biden, Bill Gates, they're all warning us about you know pandemic two, which is a perfect stay at home, stay in the basement. You know what yeah. I mean for uh, Biden, somebody to vote. Do you think, Kerry, if you had to guess, do you think that they're gearing up for something for 2024? Because it already seems, I mean. Trump is kind of passing Biden by like 10%. If you had to guess, Kerry, do you think something? Because, I mean, if you think about it, a a virus coming out of a country that we own the lab comes out, keeps everybody at home. You have to mail in your ballots. Joe Biden doesn't go in front of a camera. If he does, it's in front of like 20 people. Do you think that something something wild is going to happen to keep everybody at home to have that same process happen? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm all, almost thinking that they know they can't cheat at the level they would have to, to to defeat Trump. And that's why they're trying to keep him off the ballot in numerous states. They've got, sadly, Republicans, people with an R behind their name, trying to keep a man of the people that the people want off the ballot now, because that tells me, okay, why not just put them on the ballot if they could cheat to that level? The people, by the time the election rolls around, are going to be so fed up with the way things are going that I even believe um, we're moving towards seeing Democrats, disaffected Democrats who are waking up that the fact that their party is no longer the Democrat Party, who are going to vote for America First policies. The media will say they're extreme policies. He's an extremist. You know, these MAGA people are extremists. Make America great again is extreme. Yeah. Wanting a secure border, wanting to make sure your kids and your kids and my kids don't get their hands on fentanyl. I, I don't know. I don't think that's extreme. I think the opposite is if you're okay with the border being open, that is extreme. If you are okay with the United Auto Workers not having an industry to show up to work for because they're going to ship our um, auto industry over to China to make EV vehicles and force you into an EV EV vehicle against your will because they're not going to have, you know, this Green New Deal is such a ridiculous thing. That's extreme. If you think it's okay to talk to our kids when they're six years old or at a doctor's appointment. We just found out in Arizona at the nursing school, U of A, they're teaching nurses to at age three in the wellness check at age three for a little one to ask them about their gender identity. This stuff is extreme. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be at ashamed. At three years old. At three years old. Ask if they feel like they're really a girl or... I want to be a cowboy. Is that's that my fact. identity? I want to ask you. I mean, my son wanted to be a dinosaur. You know, what are we? I still want to be a dinosaur. I actually have a very um, direct question to you. Um, I actually believe that you're actually a very uh, strong, attractive candidate. I think you, you, you have a winning message. Everything you've talked about, spe- especially regarding immigration, the border, the wall, you're, 
in Arizona for the I past had a 30 years. Plan. Not many people had a plan to deal with the homeless. You have situation. a lot of good things that you say, especially everything you talked about with the woke agenda, the LGBT, the trans. We've talked about that on the uh, podcast infinity times. Um, you have you have a platform. I believe that you know you you also have what I would what Candace Owens called the it factor. You're media savvy. You're attractive. Your hair looks great today. Congrats, even with the <laughs> headphones on. You have a lot going for you. Um, why not? focus on that more meaning if you google carrie lake and if you look at any youtube clip clip you you are the almost face of election denialism so my question to you is this uh you have so much going for you even like snl does parodies of you my question is this uh we saw what happened in 2020 or 2022 during the midterms any trump back candidate that doubled down on election de denialism did not win uh, you came dangerously close to, to beating Hobbs. Why do you think that election denialism is a winning message? Because at the end of the day, if you don't win, you don't win. Like Trump's not reversing the three years ago election. It doesn't seem likely you're going to reverse this uh, election from 2022. You have so much going for you, so many positive qualities. Why not just say, listen, I take my ball. I lost. I'm going to crush it the next time and win rather than double down on the loss. Why not? Well, for starters, I never got into politics to have a big political career. I mean, when people say you're, that you're going to hurt your political career, I frankly don't give a damn about a political career. And we need to get people who are in this to have a political career out of politics. And it, it, was, a un, it was not just an unfair election. It was a fraudulent election. I don't walk away from a noble fight. And if I were to walk away from what they did to the people who stood in line and couldn't vote, 200, almost a quarter of a million votes were rejected on election day. Almost a quarter of a million votes. And 75% minimum were voting for me. So I look at those people. They've reached out to me and said, please fight this. Don't walk away from this fight. If I don't stand up and fight for them, they don't have a shot at fighting this fraud in the elections. I'm a mom first and foremost. If you have a problem in your household. And I think, how many of you are dads? Okay. Um, if you have a problem in your household, you don't, you know, if you have a problem in your marriage, if you find out your teenagers are getting into something dangerous and you need to deal with it, you don't put your head in the sand and go, well, let's not look back. Let's look forward. Things will get better. Things aren't going to get better if we don't have fair elections. But Carrie, with all due respect, that's not what wins elections. What wins elections, whether it's Trump in 2016 whether it was Obama in 08, whether it was George W. Bush in 2000, is let's do something great to make America great again. Absolutely. Let's look to the future. The future looks bright, as we say. Sell me the dream. Sell well, me the and, dream. And I believe if I you sell, that. hey, three years ago this happened, last year this happened, well, it's been proven that it doesn't necessarily work. I don't so know. If, well, if you, turning, you're I'm turning a noble fight into a platform decision. I'm not. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that she, that she she could this is win. Not a platform decision. This is a noble fight. Oh, excuse me, Mrs. Got... Lake. Let me ask Carrie her question. <laughs> Whoa. So I'm asking. Whoa. At yeah. what point? Man who I, never interrupts. I, I, the man who has got. You know Adam, what, Adam? You I agree with. Question, I agree, I agree That's with, what I'm I agree with yeah. parts of what you said, and okay. and I look back at our campaign, which is when I got into politics. I don't know how I ended up in the middle of uh, the political world, but I did, and we had all that. I, I, my number one platform issue was not elections. It was we've got to secure this border. Totally agree. And these governors aren't doing anything, and they're failing at their duty to the people. 
I had a great policy on education, and I'm, I'm, again, dating myself here, but we used to have trade school training in our high schools. Got rid of all that, and now we're doing DEI and CRT and trans agenda. Mm-hmm. We need to get our kids, especially our boys, ready for real jobs out there. Totally I had a great agree. policy on that, great policy to deal with our chronic street homelessness. And we, you, I can go down, reshoring manufacturing to Arizona with our proximity to Mexico. It's a great, great opportunity to grow and expand um, the economy in Arizona. Excellent policies. And they knew that, oh, man, this woman means business. She's going to shut down our uh, illegal activity, our uh, trans, uh, uh, pardon me, um, trafficking of drugs and children and human beings. And they had to stop me. And so... We have to deal with what's happening in our elections and reform our elections. And this is, you're reading Google, and all of these articles are written by a slanted media that is completely gone off-the-hinge propagandist. And they're writing all these and saying she's an election denier and nobody's for it. I'm out there with the people every day. I have been all over this country, everywhere I go, even in Portland, Oregon. I think I got stopped more in Portland, Oregon. People saying... Thank you for what you are doing. You, you've got to fight for elections. We don't have a state anymore. They're ruining our state, and we can't vote our way out of it anymore. We've gone full-on mail-in ballots. They're destroying Portland. They're destroying the entire state now, and we are stuck and we're held hostage by rotten elections. And, 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 I, I, I want to say something here, okay? I want to say something here. I, I fully, you know, I asked this question of Rudy Giuliani, so you know where I stand. Mm-hmm. We had this live debate, and I'm asking Rudy, Rudy, you keep talking about fraud, fraud, fraud. It's not an attractive thing to do. Here's what's going to end up taking place. You know, people want to know what is the plan. Great. But I actually have a question. You ever watched the movie Flash of Genius? No. Uh, It's the story of Robert Kearns. Okay. So who Robert Kearns is, this is the guy that invents the intermittent wiper because he had a, he had a hard time watching when it was raining so the wiper wasn't fully clear. I love that guy. I didn't know that was him. Mm-hmm. That's him. So intermittent he, wipers are one of the great inventions. But, but I got to tell you, he may end up being your biggest source of inspiration. I think you got to watch the movie. Let me explain okay. why. So this guy, Robert Kearns, invents it, goes and takes it to different car companies. Okay, he takes it to uh, Ford. He takes it to, you know, this is the movie. He takes it to Ford. He takes it to Chrysler. What these guys do is he gets a patent in 1964. He patents this in 1964. Ford sees it, says, this is an insane idea. But guess what Ford does? Ford takes it and says, you never came up with this. We did it ourselves. Mm. And they show, they said, there's only four pieces to this thing. This is not a big deal. We, we did it ourselves. And in court, there's a scene where he's telling the judge, says, judge, have you ever used the word book? Yes. You ever use the word uh, philosophy? Yes. You ever use the word uh, I have? Yes. How come you've never written uh, uh, one of the greatest books of all time that Charles Dickens did? He has access to the same words you did, but he knew what words to pick to put together to write the greatest, one of the greatest books of all time. He says, it's not about the pieces being this simple. I found the right four pieces to use to put this together. Watch what ends up happening. This is my, uh, he ends up uh, uh, fighting Ford and Chrysler, goes to court. Loses his marriage, loses his kids, loses everything he has. Eventually, Ford offers him $30 million. And by the way, this is not $30 million of today's money. This is $30 million of 60s, 70s money. It's real money. Wow. You know what he says? He says, no. He says they gave him $30 million to say he was at fault. 
Ford wanted to give him $30 million to go publicly and say, I was at fault. He says, I'm not doing that. You ruined my life. I invented this product. I'm going fully on with this thing here. He ends up winning. Instead of getting $30 million, he only gets $10.1 million. But Ford had to publicly say they were at fault. Chrysler later on had to end up paying him around $18.7 million. And his story became public. I think for somebody to prove there is fraud, they're going to destroy your life. Okay, and I think someone <laughs> I think someone has to do it because I think it is inspirational for someone to take this kind of a risk for the longest time. This guy's own family didn't believe him. There's there's scenes of his kids questioning that dad. Why are you doing this? We're losing everything because you have to use money for legal fees and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. You're you're crazy. You're nuts. You're this. I believe that I don't have all the intel. I don't know what happened there. I'm extremely suspicious, mm-hmm. extremely suspicious. You need 27, 28 days for what? My kids can count up to, you know, 100,000. You can't count it in, you know, one day or two hours or three hours with all the technology that they have. The person doesn't show up to debate. So all I'm saying is I think if this is truly something you want to go fight for, I hope you go all the way through because I think there is a reason why no one's ever done this because they're going to do whatever they can to destroy your life. They're going to do whatever they can to destroy your life. But whoever ends up proving it, the rest of the American people will be protected for decades and centuries to come. Because they're always going to go back and say the Kerry Lake case, the Kerry Lake case, the Kerry Lake case, just like this guy here, you know, Robert Kearns, who did what he did. So, by the way, I don't think uh, uh, it's going to be a fun fight. I think it's going to take years. I don't think it's going to be solved in three to six months. I think it's going to take a different president to come in, to want to have to investigate this, to want to encourage that we want to change the ways we're handling elections, to appoint different people that can investigate that are private, not just public. But all I'm saying here is, so you're making a very good point. Yeah, it's probably not an attractive thing to campaign on if you want to win public office. So here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. What's more important to you? Um, Becoming a senator or becoming a governor and none of this stuff is ever proven, or you never become a senator, you never become a governor, you never become a VP, but in the next three, five, ten years, we finally find out there was fraud here, and for anybody else in the future that runs is protected. Which of those two is more important I think you know the answer. I want to hear it. The latter. And I'm never going to stop fighting. I'm never going to stop fighting for um, honest elections, reform in our elections. We've walked away from far too many fights, and that's how we've gotten into this position. And sadly, the Republicans have walked away. We need. That's why President Trump is so loved. It's like, finally, we have a fighter. Is he perfect in every single way? No, and I don't think any of us here or anybody listening is, but he fights for us every day. And I will fight. As I've said, we surrender so many hills. We're on our final hill. I'm going to the top of it, and if they want to stop me, they're going to have to go up to the top and take me down. I don't care about money. I don't care about even getting credit for saving our elections and reforming them. I really, if I go to my grave and I know that my children, and at that point hopefully great-grandchildren, maybe great-great-grandchildren, have a republic to live in with a constitution that is adhered to, with a bill of rights that actually exists, I will be the happiest human being, even if I'm penniless. Uh, Even know, if you're penniless, we what good is? This? Are you seeing what they're doing to Rudy Giuliani? Oh, I I was are just you, with Roger Stone last night. Do you do you know who they're who, coming after? Everything I have right now, they're suing me for defamation for having the courage to speak out about our elections. They're not going to stop, and they won't stop. But that's okay. What good is that money if we lose our country? So here's our choices. You're, the, what you're saying right now is, 
you could just be quiet and keep the money you have and all of that. But then we're going to be a year out from now in a, I believe, a communist globalist country. We're not we're losing our American freedoms. We're losing them every day, if you haven't noticed. And what good is that money living in that if we don't have our freedom? And so we need a few people who are freedom fighters right now. And, you know, as long as I have a, a, enough to eat, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I don't, even I don't think, eat that much. I don't, <laughs> I don't think the dirtiness has started with you yet. I think they're, they're uh, banking on you stepping away from this, and I think they're banking on you quitting on this and moving on to Senate and allowing Senate to be the next distraction because when they look at people like you, and what I mean by people like you is the fighters, they're, you're very annoying. You're very annoying in, in, in the way when you fight somebody that's... fly that, in the ointment. You're pesky. You're, yeah, you're pesky a, a true believer is a very annoying opponent. Mm -hmm. Very annoying opponent. You, you like to face people that can be bought with women, with girls, with They tried to buy me. Books, they tried with, to bribe me. Right. Came to my door and tried to bribe Who me. Who did? I'm not going to name names because I don't... And people say, why won't you name the person? And I said, because I don't want to shoot the messenger. Mm hmm Came to my door, called me one day, and this was back when I was finishing up my book, which is called Unafraid. I highly recommend it. Um, and said, you know, can I come over? I got to talk to you about something, but it has to be in person. I can't do it on the phone. And I thought, okay, that's a red flag. What's going on <laughs> yeah. here? Was this uh -oh. a person you knew already? It's a political figure. That's Big God. name? That's known. Um, I think in some circles, okay. yeah. And showed up and said, look, look, we want you, this is probably March. Um, so our case had, was, I think, in the appellate court. We were, you know, continuing. March moving. of 23. March of this year. Gotcha. It might have been February. I, I, so I meaning this is several months after the 2022 election. Yeah, I was still fighting. I was Got just it. wrapping. I think it was March because I was just finishing up the book. Got it. And put, you know, doing some final edits on it. And I was trying to pack to get out the door to go to CPAC. I was going to be delivering a speech at CPAC. And person comes over, sits down. And says, um, got a great offer for you, coming from some pretty powerful people back east. Great position, great title, uh, huge salary, position on a board. And all they want is for you to not run again in this next election, just one election cycle, 24, not be on the ballot. And I, I was just, I mean, shocked that this was, I'm thinking this is the kind of stuff you have happens in movies, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why don't you go back and tell them that I'm not motivated by a job I'm not motivated by a, a, a powerful position. I'm not motivated by money. I walked away from that. I truly walked away from my dream job because we're losing our country. So the conversation went on and tried to convince me just once it won out. You can always get back in. I don't think they want me on the ballot in any position and Trump because if my movement comes out to vote and Trump's movement, all of the rhinos and globalists or whoever they're going to put in are, are going to go down. And so I, I shooed the, the guy out because I said, I've got to pack. I'm finishing up my book. As he's leaving, he turned around. He said, what would it take? How much would it take for you to just not run in 24? And uh, to be honest, I was so consumed with writing the book at the time. I was finishing up, um, you know, travel plans to get out of the, the house. I wasn't really, I mean, people had talked about me running for Senate and I've given it a lot of thought. And if they are willing to steal an election from the good people of my state to bring me down and get me out, I'm not giving them that. That gives them the victory. And I'm glad that Trump is willing to stay in as well because they took it from him. And if he were to say, look, it's too hard, they might ruin me, they might take all of the money I have and leave me in ruins, if he would have done that, then they win. Is this a person that's part of the establishment right 
I really don't want to give too many. Um, Here's why I'm asking the question. Okay. But you have proof. Like if, if yeah. they came to destroy your life, you have proof of this situation taking place. Yes. But the person who delivered the message was not the person behind the offer. But the person told you who was behind the person of the Just offer. Just said it was powerful people back east. Mm-hmm. And east as in New York or D.C. East? I'm thinking the swamp. Okay, yeah. I got you. So, 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 so where I'm going with um, where you're at right now. So you're saying you would rather fight for your beliefs on what happened and give up every other possibility of what you could do to go prove that you were right. Okay, so I think they're thinking you're going to give up quickly. I think they think you're going to I don't be, think they think that now. Uh, and by the way, there will be more lawsuits to come. I, We're working on other things. In their well. eyes, in their eyes, there's been a hundred of you. Trust me, they're arrogant people who they, they think there's been many of you and they know how to distract people like you with other distractions. And then all of a sudden they're going to be like, yeah, her fire could, because, you know, emotions are always high when you first go through a breakup, right? Yeah. So you cry, you, oh my God, this is that, who is he dating? Who is she dating? Let me check her Instagram, his Instagram. And two months later, like, oh man, I wish her nothing but the best. And we kind of move on, right? Only a few people are like, oh, hell no, he did me wrong. She did me wrong. (laughs) Okay. So, so in a situation like this, for the most part, most people move on, right? Um, They're banking. You're going to move on with another run that you'll go on. That's what they're banking on. I think so. And if you choose to keep pushing to find out and get to the bottom of this, I think what you're experiencing so far of them destroying your life is one-tenth of what they can do. Hmm. Uh, Just this morning, you know who Giuliani got sued by? Who? A guy named Hunter Biden. (laughs) <laughs> he did. He, this, he did. This five minutes before we went live, yeah. Hunter Biden sues Rudy Giuliani over laptop, accuses ex-Trump lawyer of hacking. Biden alleges Giuliani is responsible for the total annihilation of his digital privacy, claims there was no laptop. Um, so it, it maybe yeah, it's, he just sued, I think, Garrett Ziegler for, for, you know, putting all of that together and explaining what was on the laptop. He also sued the IRS. I mean, he yeah. pretty much sued his dad, right? I mean, yeah. that's the, <laughs> You think about his it, yeah. dad's employees he sued but okay let, let's let's go us away from this story here today uh uh you know strategically vp you've answered this i've watched you answered 40 different times and i, I know how you're going to answer it you know I'll, I'll, you know uh, uh you know my job is right now as a mama bear to protect and you know that's what i'm doing <laughs> it's not about being a vp it's about doing my job i may run for office all this other stuff okay so vp you're in a very important state okay and you also said to Pierce, I think he needs to choose somebody to do the fighting for him. Like, in other words, he needs a flag carrier. Mike Pence wasn't a fighter for him. Mm-mm. And that was a first-term VP, which I think Mike was a very good first-term VP, uh, minus the COVID when he did what he did. But for the most part, he brought a good state to him. It was a necessary state to him. Mike did his part. Second term... It's about who's going to replace for the next eight years after him. He needs a true flag carrier that can fight, go, do the part, do the leg work, defend him. Almost kind of like doing what Kellyanne Conway did. I don't think he wins 2016 without Kellyanne Conway. I think Kellyanne Conway was a she rock was star. Great. I think she was a rock star. It was She's, so hard not to like her when the media was oh horrible to her. You're God. Like, that's when I woke up, really, frankly, with Kellyanne. I told her okay. I learned a lot. She always kept, kept calm. Yeah. She always helped kept calm. <laughs> she really is. And they yeah. were being so rude to her, and she just came out looking. I see the same with yeah. the two of you. That's why I'm asking. So so do you think, one, you would be a formidable VP candidate because you're also in a very important state and you have a lot of 
you know where the dead bodies are buried in Arizona. So if something happens, you guys can also follow up on the things that you want to do to make sure it's proven what happened in Arizona. Uh, You know, one, obviously, if you got the call, would you take it? Two, you know, who else do you think would be a formidable VP candidate for President Trump? I know you can't speak on his behalf, but I'm just thinking if you wow, had some there's so many things to talk about there. First, I want to go back to what you just said before this, and okay. then I would promise I'm an answer. Sure. You can run and you can do a lot of things and have lawsuits. And so I'm a multitasker. I'm a mom. I can handle, you know, I'll, I'll never give up on fighting for your vote, whether you are a Democrat, independent or Republican. I, if this would have happened on the Democrat side and Trump would have won the way uh, won the way that Biden won, I wouldn't be OK with that either. This is about saving America. And our founding fathers, many of them were penniless at the end of their fight to bring us this great republic. And I am motivated by that spirit. Okay, so that's that. Well, let me say something to that. And then you can save in America. I put an event together in 09 called Save in America, doing the impossible. I'm dressed as George Washington. My wife is dressed as Lady Liberty. I have a 40 foot Mount Rushmore on the stage. And the whole idea was we're going to save America. That was the entire campaign. So we started a Facebook page uh, in 09 called Save in America. And I had a radio show on KKLA, KRLA called Saving America back in 2009, 2010. I, that's, that's the guy right there. That's the Middle Eastern George Washington right there. <laughs> July 17, 2009. Okay. That, that is racist, okay? That's so racist. I can't believe Cultural yeah. Wait appropriation. A that's PVD. not your wife. Is that your wife? My wife Lady is Liberty? in another picture. She's very short. She's tiny. She's very, very short, but she, she's dedicated to the cause. That's so yeah. great. So, 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 with you on that, let's save America. But go ahead to your other question with the VP okay. site. All right. The VP stuff. I get asked that. I don't think President Trump's thinking about VP. Honestly, I just had a great conversation with him the other day. I always will take a call from President Trump. I think he's the greatest president in our country's history. And I believe he will go down as one of the greatest political leaders and leaders, frankly, in human history. Yes, I said that. He's Why do you think he's the greatest in American history? Above George Washington, above Lincoln, they, above JFK. You think amazing. Trump is the number one of all time? Washington was great. Absolutely. Obviously, we're our first president, and he was a great general who helped, helped us even have this republic. But we're losing this country. I believe we have about a year left. And the person who saves this country, pulls it back out of the flames, is going to go down in my book as the greatest president. Because what good is it if we lose the country and it ends this year? It's like, okay, well, Washington was fantastic. Thank God for Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Thank well, God. Lincoln literally saved the country, not, you yeah. know, yeah. hypothetically. Yep, but we're losing it now. I, I believe we're in, when we not lose as bad it as the Civil War, though, Carrie. I don't know. I think we could end up going down as not having a republic. They want our Constitution gone. They want we already. I've never thought I'd saw a day where our First Amendment would be in the crosshairs, and it is. We had our churches shut down. We've had, we do not have freedom of speech right now. We have a, a, people think we have freedom of speech, but if you only have a little bit of freedom of speech and some people have a little less and some people have more, that's not freedom of speech, guys. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we have journalists, I call them journalists, use that term loosely, who are okay with it, I mean, they should have their journalism card pulled immediately, that they are not fully for the First Amendment, whether you like what someone's saying or you don't. And our government is working with these tech tyrants to take away certain people's right to speak. So. Yeah. But back to yeah. the... I want to hear the VP answer. Can I get my VP <laughs> yeah. answer with zero interruption? Okay. Please, go. So would I accept that position? Is that what the question would is? Would you and who else you think is a formidable candidate for VP? I really want to make sure Trump gets his second term. 
And I think looking even even considering that right now is so off base when we got to make sure he gets that second term. And so people who are kind of like, you know, Jones in to have that happen or jockeying for position are so, in my opinion, uh, it, it's almost insulting because it's like we've got to do everything we can to get him in office. If if he gets in office and I have no place in his orbit, as long as he's in office, I'm fine with that. I'm not doing any of this. I don't I don't get asked to speak out in his favor. I don't get told to speak for him. I speak for him as a mother who's really, really concerned about my children's future in a very selfish way. I'm concerned about my kiddos. And so I speak for him for that. If he called and asked me, I'd have to really consider it. But I'm really looking at a different position right now. And I think when you played that video, which thank you, it's on my Twitter page right now, uh, it insinuated that something might be coming in my world. So and what's we have, next? We have an opportunity to pick up a Senate seat right okay. now. We have a senator right now, Kirsten Cinema, who's now in her election mode, Kirsten Cinema, who's acting like she's independent, which is such an insult to the intelligence of the people of Arizona. We've watched as for five years, she's voted in lockstep with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer on everything. And, you know, even though they name this, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, I think people are smart enough to realize that it usually means the opposite of whatever the Democrats name these. Yeah. It means watch out, hold on, hang on with both hands because you're not going to be able to afford basic groceries and gas anymore. And so she votes in lockstep with him. She votes with Biden more often than uh, Bernie Sanders does. And now she's trying to reinvent herself as an independent. She shows up in D.C. She dresses in, a, wears a purple wig on the floor of the Senate and go-go boots, and she shows up on the stage with uh, at the WEF in Davos, and now she wants to come back and act like she is with the people of Arizona. She didn't give a damn about the border. Now she's on the border. We recognize BS when we see it, and I don't want to see her go back and represent the people. I also don't want to see the guy on the Democrat ticket who is a full-on socialist slash Marxist. These are not the values of the people of Arizona. Those two have done nothing to secure our border. They voted to impeach President Trump while they're letting the Biden crime family get away with murder. And so I'm very seriously considering a run. I think uh, the video insinuated there might be something coming up here. And we're going to take back our country, and we're not going to surrender another hill. I don't want to see another Mitt Romney type in D.C. voting against the American people. When we get Trump in office, we got to have people there who are going to help get this agenda to save America passed. So, Senate, so a couple of the issues that's going on, which is, uh, uh, you know, Arizona's border crisis, the amount of people that are coming through on a daily basis. You talk about the cartel earlier. I do want to address the cartel issue. Cartels are significantly profiting from the illegal border crisis. The uh, uh, migrant smuggling economy. Who wrote that, by the uh, way? Significantly profiting. Was Washington it? Times. Okay, mm-hmm. so economy. They're making at, a killing on it. Yeah, it, the, at the U.S.-Mexico border tops $20 billion, and the cartels have made at least $2.6 billion in profits over the past 12 months wow. uh, uh, just from controlling the routes illegal immigrants use. And on top of that, last year, the Department of Homeland Security estimated that cartels are earning up to $6 billion a year just from human smuggling. Operation. This is not like a website saying six billion a year. This is from Homeland Security. So, what are some strategies you're going to have to make sure you protect that specifically in the state of Arizona? Well, I talked about my border plan um, as governor, and that I think every governor should take it. It's it's out there on the internet. It's called Defend Arizona, but you could easily say Defend Texas, Defend California. That's never going to happen with uh, Newsom. 
um, defend New Mexico. We need strong border governors to do right by the people of this country. That's why people were rooting for me across the country. They said, finally, one governor is going to do something about it. So we really need the governors to step up right now until we can get some you know, quality individuals put into Congress. And we do have some, by the way. I don't want to say everybody in D.C. is rotten. We, we're getting some great fighters in there. But I think we need to immediately get President Trump's border plan back. As a journalist, I covered Arizona for 27 years. I'd never seen that border more secure than under President Trump. I mean, he found a way, and he had to do this, mind you, really with one arm tied behind his back, with his own party, uh, people who had an R behind their name, attacking him. They would not let him build the wall. They were fighting. You know, he had to, like, get very creative to get the funding for the 500-plus miles of wall he put up. And I've been to the wall. It works. Now, Joe Biden has opened it up and welded it into an open position. I saw that. And tens of thousands of people are pouring across every week in Arizona. And the drugs are pouring through. And we actually have cartel members crossing the border armed, and they, they know they own the border. The cartels own the border. They own our state right now. So it's really easy. We just need to get Trump's policies back in at a federal level. And if Joe Biden wants to call them the Biden border plan, I don't care what he calls it. I'm sure Trump doesn't care. Just do it to save our country. Uh, and Carrie, I have a really quick question. So I know uh, Vivek yesterday or the day before was that. It was on his uh, Twitter, Rob. Uh, he was, you know, out there campaigning. He walked into a coffee shop and a lady asked, what would you do, you know, about the border? And, and Vivek said, you know, as the commander in chief, you have the right. You don't have to ask for permission to put our military. Right. Cert- and, and mind you, I'm a veteran. Patrick's a veteran. We have people that are just, I'm not, they're not, there's no active crazy wars going on right now. We have soldiers that are literally just, you know, waiting around and whatever. Why not use that to protect our border instead of protecting, you know, other people's borders uh, around the country? Would you be able to have that as as senator to have that type of authority to put well, people on the border? Well, my actual border plan as governor was going to be to put the National Guard down there. Good. And we have men and frankly women, but men would come up to me all the time and say, I fought for my country. If If I just got the call to go protect my country right now, I would be there in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I would be down. I would be heading to the border to protect my country. Men and women in this country want our border protected. We don't have a country without a border. And we're sending our sons over uh, overseas to fight wars because there's trillions of dollars in these endless wars. That's why, frankly, I believe that's really why they want Two reasons why they want to bring Trump down. He's not going to start it. He didn't start any wars. He resisted starting wars. There's trillions of dollars in endless wars with the military-industrial complex that JFK warned us about. Um, I believe it was Eisenhower warned us about. I mean, yep, Eisenhower. On his farewell um, speech. So there's a lot of money in that. Anybody that speaks up against them ends up gone or destroyed. So I might, you, you're right, I might end up destroyed. <laughs> but the, the other thing is I don't want to see our sons and daughters fighting these wars overseas when our own country needs help. I believe some of the stuff you say is com- a complete winning message. I think you have great messaging. Uh, I've told you what I thought doesn't necessarily win. Um, here's my question to you. I think you're a great surrogate for Trump. I think you have a lot of Kellyanne Conway moxie for sure in you. Um, if you were going to be the VP, I think if you look at the polling, I look at Vegas polls. I don't trust Quinnipiac, Pew, none of it. I look at <laughs> Vegas polls because that's where the money is. You're in the top three in a well, lot Vegas of the list. Vegas polls said that I was going to win in a landslide. Well, in sometimes Arizona. Vegas loses, uh, and then they have to pay. But, um, but the point is you're, you're at the top of this list. Put, put on your hypothetical, you know, take off the mama bear hat and put on the VP hat. You know, you're going to be in the Oval Office with 
President Trump. You've already said you think he's the greatest president of all time. You're in the office. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had the Mike Pence's of the world, the Bill Barr's of the world, the General Kelly's, people that have been in his, insulated in his circle that have disagreed with him, and they are, for whatever reason, are not so much in the inner circle, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Let's say there's a scenario where you totally disagree with President Trump, and you 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 don't advocate for what he's advocating, but you, you need to remain loyal in order to kind of keep your position there. How would you handle that nuance? Like, give me some insight to how Vice President Kerry Lake would have that difficult conversation <laughs> with President Trump Jeez. if you actually disagree with him on something. Well, first of all, when, when President Trump says he, he appreciates loyalty, he doesn't mean loyalty, but you never, ever speak against what I, am, I want. That's not what loyalty means. Loyalty means, you know, he's done a lot for a lot of people. And I will tell you, I understand loyalty. When, you, when someone stabs you in the back, you want the people around you that, you that you can trust them. Not that you trust them, you bring them in, and then they turn around and walk out the door and stab you in the back. It's really difficult to have. Then, then who do you trust if everyone's doing that? So when he says he likes loyalty, it doesn't mean loyalty, but you have to you know, say everything I say is right. I don't agree with everything the president's done. I, I agree with very much of it. I think his policy policies have been exceptional. You know, sometimes his tone is different than what I would use, but I appreciate that. I like, I like that he's brash. And, um, I think sometimes we need a shaking to wake us up. And we needed that with Trump, just like with Reagan, we needed a calm, cool optimism and a return toward patriotism and love for country. We need with Trump, someone to shake us out of our slumber because we got really lazy and thought our country was on cruise control and we found out it was, but it was going off a cliff. Uh, I've disagreed with him on things before. We talk all the time. I just talked to him the other day. I talked to him two days ago. We had a long conversation, and I didn't agree with everything he said, and we kind of went back and forth on something, and it was it was fun. How did you approach that? You said, Mr. President, here's how I see things differently. Like, well, Not I that wanna, I need the I actual reveal, conversation, uh, yeah. but like the tone, the tenure. Like, how do you say, well, hey, just like I just... I am now. And okay. you know what? He's a big boy. He can handle it. He wants the truth. He, I've never seen anybody like him. And I've talked to people who worked in the White House with him. And when there was an issue, a, a problem, he would bring a whole group of people in and say, okay, everybody, I want your opinion. Mm -hmm. What do you think we should do, Tom? How should we handle this? Did I get it right? Yes, Tom. <laughs> Adam, what are your thoughts on this? Patrick, how do you feel? Vincent, what are your thoughts? And then he would make his decision. What the media has said about him is such a lie. It's been an eight-year slander and smear campaign mm -hmm. on one man. We've never seen anything like this in politics. So when I do approach people and they tell me they don't like Trump, I usually have a conversation with them and I find out they've just been believing the media stories. I actually fully believe that the media has done Trump dirty, no yeah. doubt. You know, it's just the chicken or the egg thing, yeah. you know, fake news. You being a part of the media, you have a very uni unique insight on this why do you think it'll be any different this time around if trump is the president knowing what you know about the media well i think when we get president trump in office the people it is going to be just so obvious that people are with him and in the last since really um covid and the 2020 election i will never forget being on set that night reading the election results and a producer getting in my ear by the way and say brett Baer just called the election for biden in arizona um but this time around, the people don't believe, because of all of that nonsense, the people have turned on the fake news media. And so they don't have it. They don't have the power they once had. And when they're trying to tear Trump down this next go around, it's not going to work. It's going to fall on deaf ears because it'll fall on no ears.
Not deaf ears, no ears will be listening. And I also believe the press pool at the White House will be comprised of a lot of the alternative media. I mean, maybe uh, Valuetainment will have a reporter representing what's happening at the White House so that the people get the truth. Maybe we'll see, you know, the Gateway Pundit have a seat at the table and, and journalists who really want to put out the truth. And I, I just really think this next um, term of President Trump is going to be so historic. It's going to be a very quick, uh, I don't even know the word, whiplash is maybe the <laughs> best word, of turning it around. And I think we can do so quickly. I have, I have great faith and hope that our country is going to turn around, but we have to get President Trump in there for that to happen. I want to talk about a couple of things here uh, with Newsom. Okay, so Newsom... Uh, uh, DeSantis and Newsom will debate on Fox in November. Boy, this they're really NBC trying New- to push that two governors thing. Oh. <laughs> right. But yeah. what is that all about? Right. So, you know, hey, so Governor DeSantis and Newsom set to participate in a 90 minute televised debate moderated by Fox on Sean Hannity on November 30th. DeSantis <laughs> expressed his anticipation for this debate, stating, I look forward to the opportunity to debate Gavin Newsom over our very different visions for the future of the country. Negotiations for debate rules were initially stalled for weeks, but both governors have agreed to a real debate, not a circus. DeSantis hinted that Newsom might become the Democratic nominee in 2024. Yep. Presidential election saying California's leftism is kind of how the Democratic Party operates. And this is happening while Newsom is not a candidate, and DeSantis is behind 50-something points, or you know whatever the numbers are in different polls, how do you read this? As a person, say you're not in politics today, you're in media today, you read this uh, uh, story, you're like, wait a minute, why would you do so? Why would Newsom do it? Why would DeSantis do it? Newsom's not running. Why are you giving him the platform? Do they know something we don't know that they think it's going to end up being the two of them? This is what, uh, this is the uh, dream, the fantasy of the Uniparty. We'll have two governors of two border, or not border states, actually one's a border state. Uh, we'll have the two governors, East Coast, West Coast. We've got the you know strong governor versus the one who destroyed California. This is their fantasy, okay? <laughs> and I, I don't think Joe Biden's going to make it to the finish line. I think they're going to try to toss him out of the vehicle and, and then have a, uh, maybe in the convention, bring Newsom in. But um, can you imagine Newsom even thinking that he could run for president? He destroyed California. They have the phrase, don't California my Arizona. Have you heard that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, they have, don't California my Florida. Mm-hmm. Don't California my Texas, Texas, mm-hmm. my Tennessee, mm-hmm. my Iowa, you name it. The guy behind that, the reason that statement exists is Gavin Newsom. He has destroyed California. It was just in L.A. about a week and a half ago. And we were in literally L.A. in Pasadena, and I said, this place almost looks like a third world country. The sides of the roads are filthy. There's people living in tents on the side of the road. Buildings look like they haven't seen uh, paint in decades. It is a city that's falling apart. Skid Row is it's like an asylum, an insane asylum on the streets and a horror movie. It's almost as if the people who are on strike in Hollywood have gone over to Skid Row and you know, created a horror scene, but it's sadly real life. So Gavin Newsom, I, I believe, will never be president because people don't like Carrie, what he did to California. You don't think he'll ever be president? No. You think he will? Oh, I think he's <laughs> the most formidable guy on the left. I think to underestimate him. Well, maybe he's formidable on the left, and that tells you how bad the left is. The Democrat Party has fallen so low that the guy responsible for turning the Golden State into this The people in California are, actually, when I go and travel, they're some of the most uh, motivated for change because of him. 
And so this guy's just, I have zero respect for that man, what he's done to California. And now, do they think we're dumb? He's going to come out and try to act like he's somewhere in the middle and he's reasonable? Well, let me read this. Let me read this. So here's two stories. He's okay, running from that this week. Yeah. So Newsom vetoes progressive bill on transgender children and self-driving trucks. Yeah. Okay. So he should surprising vetoes that disappointed progressive allies, including a rejection of a bill, Assembly Bill 957, advocating consideration of a child's gender identity and custody disputes. Newsom's veto cited concerns about government dictating legal standards and noted that courts already considered parents' handling of gender identity dealing a blow to LGBTQ activists. Newsom's also vetoed a bill mm. mandating human drivers and self-driving trucks a priority for labor groups. Fearing automation economic impact, the governor defended his decision by arguing that regulatory agencies were better equipped to oversee this emerging technology despite labor concerns. Tom made a very good point at the beginning of the podcast before we were going live saying these are all signs of a guy that's preparing for a 2024 election and he wants to be seen more as center. Well, I hope the American people don't lose their memory of what happened during COVID when that man destroyed, that was really the the final nail in the coffin for California. These businesses, they lost, uh, I I forget the astronomical percentage of restaurants, little mom and pop shops, restaurants were closed down for good. Uh, What they did to our children, masking them up forever. They shut the beaches down. Remember when they poured sand on the skate park, you couldn't surf because you, the waves might give you COVID. I mean, what's (laughs) going to give you COVID? A shark? A dolphin? One one restaurant was open. The French laundry was open. That's right. That's right. That incredibly, I'm sure it's great food. It's incredibly expensive. And he was sitting there, I believe without a mask on. Yeah, weird. These hypocrites. And I hope the American people, it's going to, it's going to be reliant on us moms out there. If you've got moms watching right now, we cannot forget this stuff that they did to us. We can't let them, uh, we can't have amnesia and go, well, oh, he's, you know, he's going to be great. He's a young guy. And I, no, we can't, we can't let that happen. I think that's who Trump will be running against actually is Newsom. I think they'll find a way to put him in. Hmm. They, they, Biden's going to get his, you know, butt handed to him. <laughs> v- Vinny, do you want to read the Senator Bob Menendez story on what happened with this guy? Very interesting Each story. First page, page two, right off the bat. It's right there. If you go to the top, open it up. It's the first story right there. Right page there. If you two. open it up on page two, go one more. Page three, page right three. there. Top story. Okay. So uh, you know what story this is. This guy's amazing. He's, I mean, he's a, he's a Democrat, so he's going to get away with whatever he gets. Wait, so, wait, can I say something really yeah. quick? Because on that, on that, um, Face off between DeSantis. Let's let us not forget that DeSantis also shut the beaches down. DeSantis took a page out of Gavin Newsom's playbook. Despite what he says, he shut the beaches down. He did force vaccines. He did force face masks on our kids. So he tries to act like um, he was perfect. And Florida was open. DeSantis forced vaccines on kids. He forced vaccines on people, on workers. He forced face masks on children. And he was for all that. DeSantis was for all of that. So he thinks that we forgot that as well. Now, granted, he didn't continue the misery as long as... It was a one month or a couple weeks on what it was. It was a little more than that. It was a little more than that. The beaches were shut down to people. Right. So anybody who shuts a beach down, I mean... So so your, so your view of DeSantis, do you see him... You, you How do you see DeSantis? There's a lot of people that love him, but you also made a comment earlier about loyalty and people that come and take what's good from him, Trump, and then they leave and they backstab him. Were you hinting at DeSantis or were you talking about other people? No, he's definitely not loyal. I mean, President Trump made him. President Trump gave him an endorsement when he was polling, I think, at 5% or 6, maybe 7 at the most. And he immediately shot up like a rocket ship. And because of President Trump, uh, he won. 
And actually, President Trump saved Florida with an endorsement. Whoever he would have endorsed was going to win. But uh, remember, DeSantis barely beat that drug addict. Uh, I don't know. Drug Andrew Gillum was his name. Yeah. yeah. Gillum. With, he was like a, a sex. Before that, it was yeah. uh, Putnam in the primary. And that right. was uh, Gillum. In but the, look what's happening in Florida. Yeah. I've been speaking to people in Florida and asking what they think of the condition here. You can't. Is it 400 percent? The insurance rates have gone up. Something really outrageous for the cost of living has gone up because everybody's moving here. Well, a lot of that is because of hurricanes. If you lose your house during a hurricane, um, you're going to get pennies on the dollar for it. Mm -hmm. There is a homeowner's insurance crisis here, and it's the cost of living has gone up uh, a lot here in Florida. I mean, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. Florida's fantastic. But I I don't think that's because Ron DeSantis is governor. I think Florida's a, a great place to live, and I think it's actually... Being, become harder to live in Florida. As a guy that's a fan of uh, uh, both DeSantis and Trump policies, uh, I can comfortably say DeSantis uh, is the reason why we're here with the policies and the lifestyle of yeah. Florida. Don't we? We love Florida's breakers. Great. We love Florida. We love coming down here and doing what we do here. But he he had a lot of the good policies that even the NBA felt safe here. Sports leagues felt Super safe Bowl. here. Even AOC partied here. I mean, That's even right. the left would come here to party. <laughs> yeah. The policies are effective policy. But but let me go a little bit deeper with you. Just curious. So say Trump never endorses him when he's at five, six, seven percent. Say there's no endorsement like that at all. Who is uh, uh, Governor DeSantis today? There is no endorsement. Mm. Who is Governor I DeSantis today? I don't think today? he would have won. I really don't believe he would have won. And I think he would probably be trying to get back into Congress. You know, I, but the other thing, the thing I have a problem with is as somebody running for governor um, at the same time, he was running and he knew before he ran that he was going to run for, for president. He didn't tell people that. I mean, few people knew, but he didn't tell the voter that. And he asked them to reelect him and immediately st- and, and people did. Trump supporters helped reelect him and he won. And then immediately he starts running against Trump, the people. And then he took the money that many Trump supporters donated. $83 million, him. Dollars, yeah. Yes, and put it over into his pack. Whatever the amount. It could have been 82, 83 million. It's a, it's a lot of money it was from I that just, pack. Anybody who makes a political judgment like that, when he, he could have walked in and been the president in 28, with hands down, it was going to be Trump and then a DeSantis term, maybe two terms as president. And so he made the political calculation to go up against a giant. A political giant like Trump, yeah. that tells me that's not a very smart person. Who do you think told him, okay, because we, well, I asked this question to Pat once, who do you think was behind the, because like you just said, if DeSantis, because he rocked as a as a governor, that's why Pat said, you know what I'm saying, we're all here. If he just, you know, said, okay, listen, I'm going to stay in the wings, I'll be your VP, I'll, I'll watch you, I'll learn how to speak publicly. Because, mind you, when he speaks in Florida, Kerry, small little audiences, he goes after everybody and he's he's the Ron DeSantis that, that we know. On the big stage, it's almost like he's... He doesn't know what he's doing because he's not used to that that type uh, of. That's a, a, a really great thing to look at now because he everything was very controlled. Yes, you saw that you saw, and that's why people fell in love with him. So they're like, oh, he did a great job in that press conference. He really got him, but you really didn't see him. Did he ever do your show and speak for two hours live with you? Who's this? DeSantis. Oh, no, he did. Did you ever see him go on TimCast for three hours and just get anything thrown they at him? They won't do that. He's they've rescheduled God knows how many times already. Yeah, every time it's like, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, and, and it's like something is, is coming I'm up. I'm starting to really believe, yeah. after being peppered with the craziest questions on a variety of different media platforms, that if you're going to run for office, if you can't hold your own in a three-hour podcast... I, I agree, yep. 
Mm-hmm. That's when you really, it's hard to hold up if you've got, if you've kind of got your consultant points and they're drilled into your head. Just to be fair, Trump's also not done a three hour podcast. So if Trump is open to a three hour podcast, I know a couple people that would like to entertain. <laughs> I will tell him he podcast. should do You may that. want to but tell him that because he even, hasn't done yeah, one either. But, even so. an hour and a half. Yeah. Like it's, or, this is a two hour yeah. podcast. I've seen yeah. a lot. And I respect the hell out yeah. of you for sitting here taking questions left, right, right. center. That's something that Ron DeSantis has not done yet. Yeah. No. From what I think we've Trump seen. has done some. I mean, he did the no, he has. interview that was pretty long. Three hours, maybe. You know, he is a kind of a Look, busy Trump guy. will go on CNN with Caitlin but, but, Collins but, and take tough questions. To respect say, to him. To say, to say, would Trump. Look, this is. I know it's going to sound weird what I'm about to say. This is why I. Look, I, just last week I had a, a very big debate here, discussion here. We had two Muslims sitting here, we had two Christians sitting here, okay? And it was. Very heated. It went all over the place. A lot of people, you know, saying things from the conservative Muslim side, from the Christian side. It was all over Twitter. Okay. There's been a few hundred reaction videos to this podcast that we had. I want to sit down and have both sides talk to one another. Right. I got a lot of respect for Newsom and Trump for one thing. Newsom will go sit down with Hannity and have a discussion. He has no problem with that. Newsom's not afraid. I don't agree with his policy. You mean for this debate, he'll sit down with he, him? He'll, he already did. He's done two with Hannity already. Well, I think he's and, done a couple of them with Hannity. You have to ask what that news outlet, whether it be Fox or whatever, yeah. is trying to accomplish. They are trying to set the stage. They are trying to set the stage in the mind of America that these should be the two candidates. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know why I'm saying they, that? They're they're I don't disagree with you, but Brett Baer, I mean, sorry, Sean Hannity pushed him. And you can't say that Sean Hannity Newsom won. isn't no, a Newsom, Trump fan. Newsom, can't Newsom, say that. Newsom held his own. It was very impressive on the way Believe he did me, it. Believe me, this outlet that you're talking about wants Newsom on the ballot. They want this setup. And you have to realize when they're, even the people they allow on, who are they allowing on? I, I don't what disagree they... either because I think, I will tell you, I, I want to see Lakers Celtics in the finals. I don't want to <laughs> see no Milwaukee playing Phoenix. I don't want to see that. Oh, I wanna, you know, I Giannis see a, is going to be very I'm not against Giannis. Activity. I think Giannis needs to go to a bigger market like New York. I think he will in the next couple of years. But going back to this here with what we're talking about. So I think the, the reason why I respect Trump is because he'll say he's a gamer anywhere. Newsom, I don't know if Newsom's done a long. I'd love to have Newsom here for a couple hours and talk to him. I think Newsom has enough brass to do it. So DeSantis hasn't shown he can do that. I think Fox probably wants a DeSantis Newsom for one reason. They can't stand Trump from the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Paul Ryan side and Carl Rove side you were talking about earlier. And I think it's going to be a better matchup of Newsom, DeSantis, future, young. That's kind of how they see it. They, they just don't like Trump over there. Not everybody. Some of them I, don't. I so. think they probably would rather have Newsom than Trump. A lot of these people in the media. A lot oh, of as these... a president. As a president. Well, look at, look at some of these never-Trumpers who were so-called Republicans who endorsed <laughs> Biden. Yeah. Cindy McCain, for starters, endorsed Biden. Oh, you know who we're having on next week? You'll love this. Who's on here next week, Rob? Is it uh, uh, not next Ann week, Coulter. this Friday? No, this Friday is Schmidt from uh, Steve, Steve Schmidt. Schmidt. Steve Schmidt from yes, uh, yeah. you know who he is. It's going to be a wonderful Steve conversation. Steve Schmidt is the yeah. uh, Lincoln Project. Yeah, we're going to have a great McCain. conversation with yeah. him. So we're going to see what he Arizona. has to say. But let, the Lincoln Project. Yes, the Lincoln Project, folks. So do you want do you want to read that Bob okay. Menendez story? Yeah, I didn't mean it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trust me, it's fine. Um, so uh, Senator Bob Menendez uh, faces increasing calls from Democrats to resign following his indictment and a bribery scheme. Uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and Democratic lawmakers from the state, including reps. Uh, Mickey Sherrill, Bill Pascrell Jr., and Josh 
Gottheimer have called for his resignation. Despite the calls for resignation, Menendez has asserted his innocence, labeling the charges as false and attributing them to active smear campaign of anonymous sources and mm. innuendos. He has refused to step down because he's a Democrat from the uh, Senate position, stating, I am not going anywhere. To be fair, that thing doesn't say everything because a Manhattan U.S. attorney office charged him with accepting cash and gold bars. Yeah. And there's text messages. Yeah. And a car and a Mercedes. And <laughs> they gave him Isn't so Isn't he money. saying, oh, I was just taking money out and I was just, I was holding it, you know, it was kind of storing it and hiding it in my closet. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I, I still, I still love the, a lot of that. I'm not was going because sewing it into the jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. hear his reasoning though? Yeah. yeah. It's really not innuendos. Yeah. He said that a lot of it was because, uh, his lineage came from Cuba and that they, they understand that sometimes you need to turn these things into things you can run away with because they fled Cuba 60 mm. years ago. I mean, that he's going the full If you buy yeah. that, rap. I think I'll that guy's got to go into sales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. He's got to go into sales. The alleges that Menendez accepted cash, gold bars, and other benefits in exchange for using his office to benefit businessmen and the Egyptian government. That's probably mm. where the gold is, mm. is coming well, from. So well, what, all these people are selling out America. Egypt, they're selling us out to the CCP with the Bidens and that crime family. I think everybody in D.C., I think Trump just put this out on, on his Truth Social. Everybody who's guilty or done, done something like this, they all should step down. And I don't think it's just Menendez and Biden. There's a lot of them. There's I a think, lot of them on both sides. I think sides. the majority, the, yeah. probably the majority in D.C., have done something unethical like this. And this goes beyond unethical. This is just criminal if, if, if he is convicted. See, see, it's messages. That's how corrupted it is. I, I don't disagree that it is. By the way, uh, a lady whose husband we hung out with uh, this last weekend. Oh. So uh, we are in, this is a crazy story. So we're in New York, okay? Mm -hmm. I took 34 of my guys, my friends, my executives, and I said, let's go to New York. We went to 11 Madison. We had dinner there. We won't comment on that. We, we had dinner at 11 Madison. <laughs> I had a lot of plans. And then we had, afterwards, we were trying to go to a Yankees game the next day, and uh, it rained out. So we said, listen, guys, I had my kids with me. My son was turning 10 years old, Dylan. Oh, my gosh. Happy birthday, Dylan. He was turning Dilly. 10 years old. So I got my 11, 10, my 7-year-old mm -hmm. daughter with me. We got to show him a good time. So we go to this place called Chelsea Pierce. Phenomenal place. We go way early, 10 o'clock in the morning. The place is like Nobody's wide open. There. Nobody's, Nobody's there. We get there. a bunch of bowling lanes. And we start having conversations on who would you like to have on the podcast. Vinny's talking to me. <laughs> the door is behind me. Vinny's here. Tom is here. Sam is here. Kim is here. And you're saying, who would you want to have? And I, say, I look at Pat, and, and mind you, Carrie, I'm worried. When he says nobody's there, I'm talking about they're just setting up, getting ready to shoot. Literally, shoes. nobody's there. Nobody is there. And by the way, he just randomly goes, hey, kids, where do you want to chill? It was a last-minute decision yeah. because of the game. Pat's back to the door, like he said. And then I just hear kind of talking. I just hear, hey, Vinny, who do you think would be a good interview for me to interview? And I go right off. The, I didn't even hesitate. Here I go, Putin. Questions, why? I go, because he's such a polarizing individual. I would love to hear that type of conversation from him because Pat would push him with questions. He's a very interesting guy. I go, Pat, who would you want? And I'm not joking, okay? This is 100% this is God's my witness. Tom is standing right next to Tom is right there. Pat goes, you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested in interviewing Hillary, but you know what? Bill Clinton, I'm not even joking, Kerry. I just see a white hair guy walk in. Three and seconds. It, and it's Bill Clinton. And I go, Pat, mind me for my language. I go, Pat. Bill Clinton just walked into the effing door. No. And Pat goes, 
what the hell is going? I, I, Very weird. So Bill walks d- in. D- d- then what? Bill <laughs> walks in. So tell me he's going to be just, on the, the secret oh, service then guy. In, the then. secret service guy walks up. And I that go up to him. I said, "Way too weird of a coincidence. How weird is way that? Way too weird. And then it's weird because I, I go, Bill, what are you doing in a bowling alley? He goes, do you know who my wife is? He goes, anything to get away. He did not. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> he goes, Hillary's in New York and I just had to go anywhere. <laughs> that, that but, was, he's by, oh, but he's man. by himself. And I guess there's Rob, a private I just sent you party. Video. There's like a, a private party <laughs> for some kids. Which is great. Like, 40, they were having a private party, and he walks in and start, talks to an older couple, which I guess he knew. And then, mind you, Carrie, Secret Service, five or six, he's just walking around. By the way, Carrie, for two hours, he went, no joke. He probably shook, by the time it was done, there was a bunch of people there. He probably shook 150 people. Easy. Easy. He understands retail politics. He understands politics. retail yes. politics. He's Damn so right. smooth. So, Hillary, his wife, okay. Very different. Sweetheart, right? Hillary Clinton. Oh, okay. Most likable <laughs> she candidate. Warns, she warns of potential Russian election interference in 2024, and she said he'll do it again. Can you please play that clip, this and let's Russia, get a Russia, reaction Russia. Yes, exactly what it it's is. Cr- if you can play that. Rob, I thought you had the clip pro- prepared already. You had it up. Yeah. No, he had it up already. Isn't Poor Rob? He's over there working his butt off. Wow. He's, he's, a good, he's a good kid. <laughs> oh, this is the, what, she's that, with that's the, the one. There the ginger go. swindler. Ooh, but yeah. Rob, that's three minutes and five Jen seconds. Saki. One Isn't, of these you pulled up earlier, it had the uh, subtitles in Russian. <laughs> I saw that. They, they were. It's when you walked Is that in. the I, one? I think it's the one on the bottom, the less than. This one's 59 seconds. Okay, press it. Let's see what she says. She's pretty long-winded. Vladimir Putin uh, has obviously mm. your friend. Your friend is mine. Fair. Uh, got one he left has uh, intervened yeah. in our election in the past. Right. It's mm-hmm. not something, as you experienced firsthand, it's not something we talk about a lot. Do you fear that <laughs> uh, that is something that could can't. be happening for She's 2024? So and do you think we should be talking about it more? Well, I think we should be talking about it more because I don't oh, think, really? despite all of the... Deniers. Uh, you know, deniers. Uh, there's any doubt that <laughs> he interfered deniers. in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, uh, buying off, uh, you know, government officials in different places. So that is his opus, uh, uh, you know, his his opus operandi in the sense that oh, he good one. hates democracy. He, he particularly yeah, hates motive. the West <laughs> and he especially hates us. And, and he has determined that he can do two things. Vladimir Putin. Do you guys do you guys understand what like what's happening? The gall of this woman who was literally behind the Russian collusion hoax about cheating is over here warning us that Putin is gonna do it this time. Like, are you are you kidding me? Like, is that real life? We're stuck in some sort of a loop right now. <laughs> yeah. This whole country. It's like they're trying and the gaslighting has been so off the charts, and now they're gonna go completely. With gaslighting like this, and it's just a repeat of what they've been doing for the past eight years. Oh, there he is. Is that Bill? Where is he? There, look at oh, him. Look at him. Look man. at that shirt. That Bill shirt Bill. just says, I'm going to a bowling alley without my wife. Look at that thing. It was a fish shirt with a blue blazer and a Ukraine flag. No, he had a Ukraine flag on? He had a yeah, Ukraine yeah, flag. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And I didn't, I didn't have my American flag on. But the smoothness of him. Look at him. Networking, just, what he's wearing, just like wife. an average Joe and... Hey, connecting with okay, everybody. But we're, we're, we're not answering the glaring question. Did you ask him to be on the show? Uh, mm-hmm. No, I did not. No, but but the guy that was with him, the guy that was with him, which was uh, very good to hear, 
Uh, his Secret Service guy was a uh, fan of the show. He watched the podcast. He says, Mr. David, I watched the podcast. Uh, you, you can approach uh, President Clinton and talk to him. And we had a very good conversation together. My wife went to the same elementary school as he did. Uh, obviously not the same year. Thank you. Yes, that's a that's Jen grew up in Arkansas. An she grew up in Hope, wife. Arkansas. They went to get... Interesting. <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, your old wife would be... Like, Here's my wife, you know. She's in a wheelchair, <laughs> Carrie. I want you to meet. So anyways, uh, uh, this is another joke of another Carrie. Cause, uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, my wife and him went to the same school. So I said, hey, you know, and he said, oh, wow, yes. And then I also went to your house and I noticed you were recognized as the cutest baby. You won an award in 2000 and in whatever the year was yeah, when he was two years old. But in the city, we go to this funeral house, okay? Mm -hmm. And I go to this funeral home. We're there for a funeral. My uh, wife's dad passed away. So we're there for that reason. Hope, Rock. Arkansas. Hope, Arkansas. Oh, Hope. So we go to this place, and I say, so tell me, uh, how was uh, Bill Clinton? You know, what did you guys know about him in the city? And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, is he the womanizer that people claim he is? He says, of course he is. I said, did you guys have a problem with that? He says, you don't know who he's married to? He says, <laughs> oh my his, his wife? He says, everybody here loves Bill. He said, well, let me tell you about his wife. He says, one time, Bill's uh, uh, uncle dies. And he's up there giving a speech. You know, there's a bunch of people there. He says, and Hillary sealed to the corner. She wanted to sit away from everybody. Mm -hmm. Bill's mingling with everybody. I think Bette Midler's there or something like that. And he says, afterwards, they're going to, you know, the plot to do the final, you know, mm -hmm. ceremony. And she says, we're there with Secret Service, security, everybody. She says, don't effing expect me to go there. I'm going back home. This is all I'm going to do here. You go handle the rest. Wow. I got to go home. Says she was the meanest person we ever met. Hillary. Hillary. Obviously, it's surprising to that's hear a story so like that. I'm she sure seems that's like never. Somebody that smiles a lot. Right. Mm. Yeah. But you know, you, we don't know the whole story. There's a lot of different stories yeah. behind it. Bill is a guy I would love to have a long form uh, conversation with. I would also like to talk to her. I just don't think she'd ever do it. Never. No, I think she would only do a long conversation with someone where there were parameters set. And you are going to ask about this, and, yeah. and they're on the same team. And I think a lot of these people of in the media are part of the kind of deep state um, uniparty. They're, they're in on it all. So if you would be willing to do that, I mean, like I came on the show, I, I don't think that we had any parameters. No, zero. I, don't, I, don't, I usually tell people I'll answer anything. May not be the answer you want, but I'll answer anything. And I don't believe that Hillary would do that. If you wanted to start asking her about the 30,000 emails oh. that are missing, um, bleach bidding her phones, you know, if you want to start asking her about all more difficult questions, money and where the money went and yeah. the Clinton My interest foundation. was more hair product is what I wanted to ask about. I wanted to ask about hair <laughs> or, product, or the, or, or the suicide rate of friends and employees yeah. that, just, that just can't handle leaving and not working with them so they just they kill themselves the question oh, is believe me when she starts talking about you and, and she did start talking about me, me toward the end they were worried with the katie hobbs thing um you know bill clinton was talking about hobbs and and hillary started talking about me they had eric holder come in and, uh -oh. and campaign and bill or, uh, obama came in and campaigned which was the funniest by the way he said 
he was going after me saying, oh, she looks good on TV and she's good on television yeah. and she can speak well. And But Katie Hobbs chooses not to look good. She could look good, but she yeah, chooses not. I and I'm thinking, clip. Is, is he actually trying to give me an endorsement? Yeah, yeah. But when Hillary Clinton starts talking about you because of this history, you do tense up a little bit. Of course. You got to double down on like, security. Uh-uh. Oh, boy. Let's oh. check the brakes on the car. <laughs> yeah. I'm in perfect health. I'm not suicidal. You know, you said I just that want in the world you, she to actually know did. That. Yeah, so let, let's go to the next story. Ted Cruz okay. says Dems could discard Biden for Michelle Obama in 2024, which, by the way, this was just a couple days ago, September 23rd. It's not a, a, you know, a story of a year ago or something like that. So, uh, some people have alluded to this, and you said you were with Roger Stone last night. Roger fully believes Michelle Obama is going to yep. be the one that's going to come in. Oh. And he said this to us multiple times. So Texas Senator Ted Cruz has raised the possibility that Democrat kingmakers might opt to replace President Joe Biden for Michelle Obama before 2024. I'm emphasizing uh, uh, Biden's age. Cruz stated on his podcast, Verdict with Cruz, that he views this scenario as a very serious danger. Cruz outlined reasons why Michelle Obama would be could be an appealing choice for Democrats, including her popularity amongst African-American women. He suggested that she could be parachuted into the 2024 national DNC scheduled for August 2024 in her hometown of Chicago as a way to avoid a divisive primary potentially with the assistance of superdelegates. As a way to avoid a divisive primary. No, as a way to avoid the vetting of candidates. Our candidates should be vetted. This, the whole process is about vetting a candidate. And so, you know, parachuting in is a really convenient way of not being asked tough questions, of allowing the media to just, you know, go gaga over somebody. I would need, I, I, as a voter, and I hope that Democrat voters would want more vetting on where do you stand on the issues? What And, and there's been a lot of corruption from the Obama campaign was very corrupt and there needs to be some questions asked of that. But the media will never ask tough questions of Obama. You saw the interview that Tucker did, the man who made uh, accusations. Larry many, Sinclair. Yes, many years ago. It was out there. He took a you know lie detector test. He spoke out about his um, you know sexual relationship with with uh, Obama mm-hmm. and drug in the, use in the media, in a, in and drug use. Yeah. yeah. And the media never covered it. They knew about it, and they never covered it. They were told, if you cover this, you will never have an interview with Obama. You will be iced. And the media never covered that. Can you imagine if that came out of credible? They, they take sources that aren't credible, that are just plain lying. It's really obvious. The facts don't back them up. And with Trump, and they run all kinds of crazy stories. But that never got play. So I don't like the idea of someone parachuting in, but I don't think I still don't think it'll work. By the time the election rolls around, the way I see it, the American people are going to be so tired of the Democrat policies. And if they think it's going to be any different under Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama than it is under Biden. Who do you think is more formidable and more likely? Ooh, I I kind of think that um, more formidable, meaning I I mean, I don't have a chance of winning. Michelle or Newsom has more of a chance of winning. And who's more likely of actually being the one in 2024? I don't think either yes. of them have a chance of winning. But okay. as far as um, who would the Democrats pick, I, I think maybe Newsom. Over Michelle. Mm-hmm. That's kind of racist, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I, I just, I'm not sure. I've never really heard her speak on the issues. So I don't know that, you know, other than, you know, very controlled situation. Why do you think people are so I mean, obsessed I'm just throwing a dart here at well, the not, dartboard. Not, Michelle has never once indicated that she's going to run. I have friends on both sides of the aisle, friends that are on the left who are like, dude, there's no chance he's running. 
Why does it still continue to be propagated by even the Ted Cruz's of the world? Or Maybe even if the it's DNC? really bad and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, Trump's going to win by such a landslide, yeah. they will put Michelle in because it, it, it would be harder, I think, because of the you just said I'm racist for, for saying that it might be news. No, what I'm saying is that's what they I would know, say. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. would say. No, yeah, exactly. And I'm throwing that out. No, I know you were joking, but there is that sense of you can't ask tough questions because if you are of a journalist, course. you might be mm-hmm. accused of being racist. If you ask. So maybe they're if they're really in dire situation they might put michelle so it'd be michelle that. and kamala what oh my god i would 100 interesting yeah double just, just think about it. it'd be another obama she she her, her name just, just the name obama right. and let's not obama let's not, and kamala obama and kamala and let's not don't forget bro zero uh, percent chance on. michelle obama speaks in front of arenas I'm telling you right now, if they just came out and they said, hey, but Michelle's running, trust me, bro, she would get she would get the votes. But, Carrie, quick question because we did it really fast, Pat. Uh, Tucker did have Larry Sinclair. We were thinking about motive, and Pat made a great question of why would Tucker, out of all times, of all people, because he could interview anybody from Elon Musk to whatever, why why bring the the, the guy that accused him, mind you, like you, you said it, signed an affidavit, had to lie detector test twice that said that all these all these things happened. Do you think it was a move on Tucker because he hates the establishment so much, Gary, that he was like, you know what? Just just to let you guys know, I'm having this guy come up to just in case Michelle does run, you're gonna have to address this because they were hiding. Michelle mm-hmm. left the country and Barack was MIA. Nobody even they couldn't even reach the The people. left never asked any questions of them after that. Is that weird? And even cover it. They they just attacked Tucker. Yeah, exactly. So do you think it's like a it's like a move on Tucker just because Tucker has kind of that power to be like, okay, I just did this because if she does announce there's more of this coming. You're gonna have to talk and and address this guy because that guy's not going anywhere. Could be. That could, could be, be right. That they're seeing that the Obamas might make a repeat appearance. Yep. So now you have a little bit of ammunition because, you, you know, I mean, as we all know, Tucker is not established. Well, and the interesting thing this time around is last time they had the media, just as I said, I was in when I went and did the interview with Obama, which I thought was a more tough interview because most people aren't ever don't ever ask him a question that he wouldn't want. Most people in journalism, the entire press pool was so enamored with Obama. They don't ask. They didn't ask tough questions of him. Nothing. And then a year later, when I was there at the at the uh, Trump White House, it was like everybody was on attack mode. They were on steroid attack mode. It, it was just the strangest thing. Oh, yeah. Never ask a tough question of the Obamas. But th- this time around, that media does it, it, that media exists. However, there's also the alter- alternative media, and if they think those questions aren't going to be answered this time around, I think they have another thing coming. Yeah, and I, and I love your, your the the comparison. Have you seen the White House press briefings now with Corinne Jean Pierre? It's quiet. Peter Ducey asks one question, she shuts him down. They move on. Donald Trump, when they had like Sarah Huckabee in there, it was a shit show. Sorry for my yeah. language. It was insanity. People yelling, Jim Acosta, this person running to the front. It was insane. Now they all know, don't don't ask crazy questions. It's insane how, how to see. Not even crazy, just questions that are going to be uh, pointed and getting to the truth. If you, Because uh, I think Peter Ducey's questions are all legitimate. 100%. 100%, but the, I think he does a great job. He does a great yeah. job, Pat, but, he, but here's the thing. Some, some would say, okay, he asked these questions, and then what? Nothing ever happens. Just the other day, he goes, uh, uh, Kareen, what do you call 10,000 illegals coming over the border? And she answers with a question, and she says, what do you call the GOP? He goes, no, no, no. And she goes, oh, no, no, uh, you're not answering. I try to answer, and she leaves. And nobody, this is what my, what bothers me, Pat. She, that happens. She doesn't answer the question, Carrie. Not one of these so-called reporters goes, no, no, hold on a second. I want you to answer answer that question. 
What do you call 10,000 people coming here, 13,000 a day? It's an invasion. That's yeah. what it is. They're coming to invade us, and nobody holds their foot to the fire. So Peter Ducey, he asks the questions. Nothing happens. Zero. Because the, the group that controls who goes into the White House, I forget the name of the actual yeah. group, uh, they won't let serious journalists in. They mm. only want people who are going to have the same ideology. And they have to let Fox in. And thank God Peter Ducey asked the tough questions. But that's about the only – there's a couple. There's that – um, I don't remember his name. He's uh, he's a reporter, but I believe from Africa, and he has tough questions. Oh yeah, yes. they kicked him out questions. once. They they took his credentials, yes, and then I question. guess they brought him back in. Yeah, oh yeah, she yeah. hated Simon, him. Right? He, right? Simon, right? Yes, Simon. Yeah. I Boy, think you they guys are him. quick. Yeah, I think they kicked <laughs> Rob him out. Rob. Rob, Rob, did he get his credentials back? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure, Carrie, they kicked him out because he would he would talk over her and not let her just blow over him. He's yeah. like, no, no, answer the question. Well, listen, Carrie, uh, this has been fantastic having you on. Uh, I know you have a book that just came out, Unafraid. We're going to put the link below for That's people great. to go order the book. But didn't you it's also start a podcast? Aren't you? You got something going on with the. I do. Yeah. So tell it, us about it. So it's a weekly, and I actually did a couple of interviews while I was in town here. Very cool. Which will be coming up. It's just a weekly. You know, I want to. I, I love being a journalist. I love asking questions. I love hearing people's stories. So it's just a way to continue to do that. And, you know, a once a week show is a lot easier to do than a daily, as you all know. So that's um, you can see that. And I, I put it out everywhere. I put it on my Rumble page. I put it on Twitter. So um, the next one's coming up. I'm not sure which one we're going to be dropping next, but it, it's sure to be exciting. I, I have um, a Roseanne interview that I just did. I talked to Eric Trump. Roger Stone got a few more things up my sleeve. Nice. So very cool. Fun. Well, we're gonna put the link below to the website as well. Probably the Thank best you. place to follow. It'll drive to everything else. And make sure to order the book. Carrie, keep up the fight. Thank it's you. It's great seeing you everywhere. You're a super necessary voice. Thank you. And thank you for having the courage to talk about these issues that are taboo now. They're really important. I want our country to be strong. I want our future to be strong. And without fighting some of these fights that are difficult, then we won't have a country. So thank you all. Anytime. We're with thank you. you. So uh, I believe Wednesday's the debate. Rob, Wednesday night will be the debate at the Ronald Reagan I'll Library. You will be there. Yes. We may be there. And then Thursday morning, we uh, uh, may do a reaction podcast here. Uh, we'll let the audience know what's going to be happening, but that's going to be happening this weekend. And Friday, we definitely have a podcast or two. I think Marianne Williamson is also going to be here. Correct. On Friday. We got everybody coming. Left, right, middle, center, Muslim, Christian. Doesn't matter. We want to talk to you, right? That's what we want to do. That's what I think media should be all about. Have a great one, everybody. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.